go. Head on with Bob Kincaid. Three hours of conversation, cussing and a discussing with America's only born and bred Southern liberal talk host. Head on with Bob Kincaid is brought to you each night by Coal River Mountain Watch. Coal River Mountain Watch invites you to become part of the solution, part of a sustainable future, part of the uprising against mountaintop removal. Coal River Mountain Watch, crmw.net. And now, from high in the hills of beautiful West Bicod, Virginia, here's Bob Kincaid on the Head On Radio Network. Well, howdy. And here we go, off and running on this, the first Friday of November 2023. This is the horn, Live is where you'll find us on the interweb tubes. That's where you go if you'd like to be part of the merry, wacky, zany, real-time, madcap, multimedia extravaganza that is the horn chat room in the three hours in which this program is live, Monday through Friday, 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. 2 to 5 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. All time zones in between and the Great Globe Round. And whatever time it happens to be when you're listening to the podcast. Hi, I'm Robin. Uh, when last we spoke, I was, well, I played a little practical joke on Tuesday, Halloween. November has begun. This is our first program of November. And I'm not going to lie, I'm a, I'm a mite tired, but, well, we'll get to it all. But anyway, uh, if you're listening to the podcast, please be so kind as to like each and every episode and to, to uh, make sure you're subscribed on a couple of platforms in case uh, a program fails to post on one of them. And if you're listening live, well... By all means, feel free to participate in the Merry Wacky Zany Real-Time Madcap Multimedia Extravaganza. It is the Horn Chat Room, the three hours in which this program is live. Uh, we we kind of did that part. Uh, but if you do, you'll be greeted by the early arrivers. That would be Too Much Hutch and Ralphs and Squeaky and Theo. And... Uh, well, nobody's moderating except yours truly, which is like having no one moderate at all. Because I'm just not good at it. It is Friday on the front porch, and that means there's a button at the top of HeadOn.Live that'll carry you here in about an hour or so, over the river and through the woods to the old holler tree that we sublet from the Keebler Elves, wherein we keep the extraordinary ordinary roundtable around which we gather on Fridays to cuss and discuss all of the happenings of the week, and whatever happens to be on folks' minds. Mm-hmm. And um, that could be just about anything on any given Friday. Um, I'm a uh, proud new grandma. We uh, it, it was it was kind of weirdly prophetic because I was planning on being on air this past Wednesday. Of course, I haven't been here since the program closed on. Uh, 
on Tuesday, Halloween, and I made some crack about it because I was I was half addled. Thank heavens, little Luna is here because I've been sort of um, for the last couple of weeks waiting on her arrival and and waiting to hit the road and all of that. And what I said on Tuesday was we won't, well, uh, I guess we'll not be having prayer meeting Wednesday on Wednesday because I had done a whole bunch of prayer meeting stories on Tuesday. What I meant by that was that I had, in fact, uh, run through all my um, prayer meeting stories and that so Wednesday would just be a regular broadcast day. Well, it turns out there wasn't a prayer meeting Wednesday. Um, early on Wednesday afternoon, we got a very excited, nervous phone call from our son who said, I think it's going to be today. At which point, Annette and I both went into sweat condition alpha, and Annette began field marshalling, getting us ready to, because it meant taking uh, our, our hand. Uh, well, Annette's. I don't get to say our. She's, he's entirely Annette's. Getting ready to take uh, Annette's breathtakingly wonderful, handsome, uh, uh, golden boy, uh, Minister Shadow, over to our daughters to uh, uh, visit with her for a couple of days in our absence. And the entire day was con- the entire abs- afternoon was consumed with that. We finally got on the road for. Bristol, Tennessee, uh, probably about 7.30 Wednesday evening. Had a beautiful day for travel. Not a cloud in the sky. The moon not quite full, but absolutely a sort of beautiful waxy golden color. Traffic wasn't bad at all. And so we wound up uh, we wound up getting to Bristol. It took a little longer than one might have expected. Um, we got there about 11.30 because we had to do this and do that. And, and on top of it all, because <laughs> I wanted to do my part and make sure there's been a slow leak in, in my uh, right rear tire. So I went and had the boy, the, the, the friendly fellas at Wally World, whence, were, whence came the tires, go over everything. And they came back and said, well, yeah, you probably do have a slow leak in your right rear tire, because, see, uh, your wheel is cracked. And for a minute there, I was like, that could be some sort of Appalachianism. Well, yeah, your wheel's cracked. But no, in fact, I've got a, I've got a structural failure in the right rear wheel, and that's got to be replaced at some point in time. And so... Um, everything I got everything properly inflated, and then by the time we, oh, I think we made about 135 miles, the tire inflation light came on, tire pressure light came on, and so we took the next exit, and <laughs> there once upon a time in America, y'all, and most of y'all know this, unless you're like one of the uh, one of the, the Gen Z members of the community, of which there are a couple. But once upon a time, uh, you could pull into a service station 
and air up the tire. It didn't cost you anything because it was part of the service in service station. And I hadn't had to fool with uh, one of those machines for several years. And I pulled up, and lo and behold, I don't know if it was COVID or inflation, but it went from being like 75 cents for the machine to being $2, $2.50 if you, if you use a credit or debit card. And we pulled in at this one station, and it had gotten just ugh, brutally cold. I think it was uh, 28 degrees. And I was short on quarters. And I went inside with my two $1 bills and looked at the woman behind the counter. And I said, can I, uh, may, I, may I please have $2 worth of quarters for the air compressor? And she said, well, honey, and this was about 11 o'clock. Well, honey, I ain't got no quarters until the safe unlocks at midnight and I can get fresh change. And I'm not making any, uh, uh, apropos of nothing, there were a couple of, um, couple of guys in there who kept looking at your humble hostess. And while my Spanish ain't much, I can pick out the occasional adjective and the occasional noun. And I realized there was a machine gun Spanish conversation going on about yours truly. Uh, so anyway, um, Sorry, I'm back home, sneezing. So anyway, in, in, in figuring I was going to have to go and find another gas station or whatever and wondering when, you know. I got back out to the car and bless her heart, Annette had dug around. She said, I got the quarters. Air up the tire. Which I then did. And we hurried away as quickly as we possibly could. And like I said, we arrived. Uh, we, we arrived in Bristol got, uh, at, at the um, Notel Motel at about 11:30. We were completely exhausted. But in the interim, we had received a phone call from our son, telling us of the arrival of our granddaughter, little Luna, born at 9:03 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time on the first day of November 2023. Six pounds, 15 ounces, 20 inches long. And for those of you who have seen the post on my Facebook page, born 99 years to the day after her great-grandfather. And while I tend not to believe in uh, ghosties and whatnot, 
I couldn't help taking a moment just to look skyward and say, Hi, Dad. You got another granddaughter. And it was just, and, and, and she's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. She looks decidedly uh, like her father did at about the same age. And so the next day, yesterday, we got to go to the hospital there in uh, Tennessee. And, I, and, and we got to visit little Luna for the first time. And the fact that she was born under just a, a I mean, it, it was it was like the moon was so bright that night and, and the sky so clear, it was almost like a I, I I don't know, more of a more of the darkness of a solar eclipse than the darkness of night. And she's She's beautiful, just breathtakingly beautiful. And she has the sweetest little cry, but she's not fussy. And she hears voices, and she reaches toward the voices. And... There, there's a certain symmetry to things, and and I'm going. Don't worry, I'm going to get into the awful news of the day, and we'll talk about some of it when we get uh, over the river and through the woods to the old holler tree. Randy Radar saying, "Born on All Saints Day, not bad." Yeah, it it was that, but most importantly to me, it was my father's birthday. And I don't know, apparently he was kindly disposed because the entire time I was there, he never threw anything down the front of my top or anything. But I love, I love the roundness of a certain symmetry. In my family, my birth family, everyone in my family my mother, my father, all my siblings were born in West Virginia. But I was born in Alabama. And now in that young family, everyone in that family, mama, daddy, her two sisters, were born in West Virginia. Only she's a little volunteer born in Tennessee and so I joked uh, you know bridge day here in West Virginia is the third Saturday in October and I joked with her daddy and I said well when she gets old enough uh, she and I have to be together every third Saturday in October and Ferg looked at me and said bridge day I said no Alabama versus Tennessee. The Tide versus the Vols. 
and we'll and, and as, as long as I'm around, we'll take in we'll take in that game every every third Saturday in October. And her little welcome basket included some uh, a, a couple of little bibs uh, done up in University of Tennessee uh, colors, you know, orange and white. And there's just something so extraordinary about that little life. Meanwhile, back at the house, uh, Annette was helping out with uh, Junebug and little Layla. And it was so good to see them, too. I brought in, because, um, you know, Popeyes. There's no Popeyes up here. So I swung by Popeye's and got some uh, mac and cheese and mashed potatoes and gravy because, you know, dirty little habit. And I sat down there at their house and I had the mashed potatoes and gravy with me and a spoon. And Junebug ran over to me and just looked up at me like, what are you doing? And she's walking really well now. And she didn't toddle so much as she just runs places. And she stood there and put her and and, 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 and put her hand on mine and looked at that those mashed potatoes and gravy as if to say, Well, get with it. And so I put I put a little bit of mashed potatoes on the end of the spoon and and I mean she she went after it like a little raptor. That little girl is definitely related to me. And her eyes got big and round because that gravy, oh, that gravy, that, 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 that Popeye's gravy, damn. And she kept looking at me like, more, more. So um, little Junebug and I had Popeye's mashed potatoes and gravy and had the best time doing it. Never enjoyed it so much in my entire life. And then this morning, we went over and aired the tire up again. I guess that's going to be an everyday thing until I can replace the wheel. It absolutely bedevils me how I managed to crack the wheel on that on that Ford Fusion because I generally try not to run not to run around you know just banging into things. But I did, somehow, some way. So that's just one that, but nothing could, nothing could get in the way of the joy. And she, she, little Luna arrived in a hurry. And Mama was in labor for about mm, four hours. And uh, Luna, you know, in, ter- in terms of serious, you know, serious labor and pushing and everything, Luna, Luna's about five minutes. Like, ta-da! And on top of it all, she has a beautiful head of dark red hair. And at least for the time being, and I think it'll stay that way. They'll stay that way. Blue eyes like her. Like her daddy and me. 
and it's almost like uh, to the to, to the it's kind of the way that buying a lottery ticket buys you a license to dream for a day or so that some that that, that you might be just obscenely wealthy. Well, meeting my latest little granddaughter was an opportunity to look forward to the world that she will inhabit. She and her sisters, most likely, will all see the 22nd century as old women. And I can't help wondering what kind of world they will see. And I want it to be a better world. So very badly. Well, thank you. Clarence said congratulations to you and your family and got us started this evening. And that brings us around. I got a, I got a little bit ahead of myself because um, I wanted to tell you about where I'd been and what I'd done. But every program here at the Horn begins with gratitude, even if it happens 22 minutes late. And so uh, thanks go out to our um, third day of the month, second day of the month, and first day of the month subscribers via PayPal. And so uh, thank you to Gene and Ann across the pond. Thank you to John. Thanks so much to Elizabeth. And thanks. Uh, to Tom and Sonny San Rafael and Mark. Thanks to Joseph. Thanks as well to Brandon and Fennell in Brooklyn. So where we stand is um, we finished the month of October in a $1,600 deep hole. And this is the first broadcast of November 2023, so that means we have Bruce and Karen's Memorial Challenge brought to you by Ralph's and Chris in Germany, uh, to whom we send, I send our fondest best wishes, and to an anonymous friend. And what that means is if we raise $300, it becomes 6 And that reduces the deficit by that amount. And Clarence just jumped in with $25. And Max, thank you so much, Max, uh, jumped in and took two, took care of two-thirds of that. So we're only $75 away from meeting Bruce and Karen's memorial challenge. $75 and we get down to $1,000 in terms of the deficit. But uh, it being Friday on the front porch, a Friday on the front porch community made miracle would be a real big deal. Um, 
and hopefully we can work on that. Uh, thanks again, Clarence, and thanks again, Max, for getting us going. Ralph says, my usual offer of one-third of the first of the month challenge and plus 30 bucks for little Luna. Well, thank you. Thank you, because, uh, well, we, we, have, we, we tried to help as best we could when we got down there with some of the things that she needed. And we took, uh, we took little Sonic the Blue Parakeet down for them. We had been, we had been, uh, bird sitting since they moved down there. And, uh, kind of already, we got back here and kind of already miss his peeping. Sweet little bird. Mr. Shadow is very happy to be home. Uh, when we pulled up to our daughter's house, uh, he came out and you know he was on a leash, and, but he knew exactly where to go. And I had the I had the back door, the back passenger side door, the fusion open, and he wasted no time. Didn't uh, laser beam focus, boom, boom, right into the back seat, and I thought I was going to get loved to death. He was so happy to see me and so happy to see Annette. Annette primarily. But me too. So all the way around, it's been... It's been a hectic uh, couple of days. I very badly wanted to... Uh, um, wanted to be on air this evening. and We managed to make it in time. So here we are, um, and like I said, if we can raise seventy-five more dollars, we go from sixteen hundred to a thousand, and then we'll start working on catching up with the rest of October before November gets too far in and things get too desperate. So necessarily, then, where to start? I could be a bit of a a goof, I guess, and say, did I miss anything? Because I did, to a certain extent, try to uh, I, I kind of turned the world off a little bit, because you do that when something as precious as a new little human is entering your life and your family. But there's really never any escaping it. And I was certainly unsuccessful. I followed the ongoing horror uh, in that Levantine abattoir. Learned even more still about Mullah Mike Johnson and what a nightmare path He wants to lead this country down. Of course, it's no surprise considering uh, for whom he worked before he ever got to Congress. It's quite disgusting, really. But... Uh, 
along the way. Uh, and by the way, Beavis and Butthead went to court and testified that they didn't know nothing about running no businesses. Eric the Dumber said, Huh, poor concrete. Whereas Trader Tot, Nitwit Jr., said, I don't know nothing about no business. I just, you know, they, they said sign here and I signed there. I don't know nothing about no financial fraud. Yet meanwhile, precious princess I wank my daddy Trump Kushner tried to get out of testifying saying, Well, I really can't be there. I don't live in New York anymore. And besides, it would be an undue hardship on me to come back to New York from Florida, where I live now, with my, with my husband, Jared. Because you see, I'm a mommy. And as a mommy, it would be horrible for me to have to leave Florida during a school week because I have to get my children off to school every day. And no one believes that bullshit. Hey, our first brown word of the third day of November. Our first brown word of November on the program. Nobody believes that. Yeah, there there, there she is. Yeah, I wank my daddy Trump Kushner. Hard-working mama. Barefoot with an apron on and pushing the stray hairs back up into her back up back up above her hairline and back and, and, and twisting it back into the Appalachian psyche knot that she wears her hair in when she's slaving away over a hot pot of boiling pinto beans and pouring the cornbread into the iron skillet so that she can feed her brood. Oh gimme a break. But it's, uh, noteworthy to point out that yet another maggot has gone off to prison. A maggot who participated in the domestic terrorist attack of January the 6th, 2021. A uh, veteran, former member of the United States Marine Corps, sorry Mark, and was a political appointee to the State Department in the maggot administration, Federico Klein was a part of one of the single most violent moments in that terrorist attack, that day which will live in infamy. He was a, he was he was a, a part of the massive hand to hand combat with besieged members of the Capitol Police as the maggots tried to overwhelm the police and get control of the tunnel entrance to the lower west terrace of the Capitol, 
Federico Klein con- uh, continuously exhorted his fellow terrorists to get into the fight and went so far as to try to prevent police officers from closing the doors to that tunnel entrance. In their sentencing memo, the prosecutors said that uh, he waged a relentless siege on police officers. His goal was to, with the, the other terrorists, was to prevent Congress from certifying the Electoral College victory of Joe Biden over Julius Geezer. Klein stood silent at his sentencing just as he had chosen not to take the stand during his trial. Maggot Judge, U.S. District Judge Trevor McFadden threw the book at him, telling Federico Klein, fellow maggot, along with Trevor McFadden, your actions on January 6th were shocking and egregious. And then ordered Klein to pay a $3,000 fine and $2,000 in restitution. Sentencing him to those five years and ten months in federal prison, uh, Trevor McFadden said, "Uh, we'll give you a date to report to prison at a later date. Prosecutors figured that Federico Klein, having been in the uh, State Department Office of Brazilian and Southern Cone Affairs from 2017 until the day he resigned on January 19, 2021, uh, his actions were motivated by his desire to keep uh, Nitwit Nero in office so he could keep his job because it was a political appointment. In the sentencing memo, Prosecutor said, as an employee of the federal government, Klein was endowed with the trust of the American people and to uphold the law. He violated that trust on January 6th when he attacked the very country for which he was paid to work. His pettifogger said that the prosecution was blowing it all out of proportion just because he was a Trump appointee. Uh, his, uh, and you may recognize this name, his pettifogger, Klein's pettifogger, uh, was a dude by the name of Stanley Woodward. Oh, he does get around, doesn't he? Uh, he's one of the pettifoggers involved in the defense down at Magaloco um, in the cases uh, for the uh, indicted co-conspirators. who, along with Nitwit Nero, tried to prevent the documents from the stolen, the the documents that Trump stole from being returned to the federal government. And Stanley Woodward said to, Accordingly, Mr. Klein should be sentenced for his actual role in the events of the day and not the more egregious conduct of others with which the government would have Mr. Klein be found guilty by association. Ah, 
I wasn't guilty by association. He was guilty for what he did, and that for, and, and that for which he was demonstrably um, a willing participant. But Trevor McFadden is a maggot judge, and so the prosecutors, the DOJ prosecutors, asked for 10 years behind federal prison bars for Federico Klein. But Trevor McFadden gave him five years and ten months because, well, right. Um, He was charged in a 53-count indictment that included 12 counts on which uh, Feder- uh, 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 maggot Judge McFadden found him guilty. Six of those were assault charges. His co-defendant was Stephen Capuccio, and uh, Capuccio uh, was due to be sentenced later today. I don't have that story before me. But because Federico Klein's a maggot and because Trevor McFadden is a maggot, he, uh, he well, the, the quality of mercy is not strained with maggots. It falleth as the gentle rain of heaven. And so maggot Judge McFadden said, to the terrorist Federico Klein, sure, uh, you can stay on house arrest. But he sent Capuccio straight to jail. I guess because Capuccio wasn't actually a Trump appointee. Didn't know the secret handshake or nothing. It remains to be seen if uh, Capuccio will get the 10 years that prosecutors wanted or get a nudge and a wink like Federico Klein did. And to be sure, rather than being convicted of what the prosecution thought others did, no, Federico Klein was among the first wave of terrorists to attack the Capitol and enter the tunnel. He pushed and shoved against the cops and yelled at them, You can't stop this! And then he took a police riot shield away from the cops and used it to wedge the gates so that the the Capitol Police couldn't close the gates. with Klein all the time yelling to his fellow terrorists, we need fresh people. Trevor McFadden, trying to make a bit of a show of things, said, you prolonged the mayhem. You were front and center in that chaos. Yeah. 
uh, Emilio said, $2,000 fine? Don't you mean $200,000 fine? I, no, Emilio, just $2,000, 2000 paltry dollars. Uh, Emilio adding, hey, Robin, congratulations to you and your family for the new, for the new baby. Thank you, Emilio. So being a loyal maggot is apparently good for uh, four years and two months off of a recommended felony uh, felony rap. So he will be, uh, depending on how it's all calculated, Klein will be about 50 years old when he gets out of federal prison unless... Nitwit Nero gets in, in which case he'll probably get the Presidential Medal of Freedom. And I wish I was joking about that. But I'm not. Oh, no. Because, uh, in point of fact... Nitwit Nero is referring to uh, uh, the uh, terrorists who have been imprisoned thus far. Oh, this is so gross. He's saying people who have been imprisoned for attacking the Capitol hostages. And in fact, in using that terminology, hostages, he's taking a, a cue. from another uh, another uh, maggot terrorist who said he is proud to go to prison and be a hostage of the U.S. government for standing up for freedom. I wish I was kidding. I'm not. He was at a rally in Houston. Tangerine Tiberius was. His crowds aren't what they once were. But nonetheless, the maggots assembled, hooted and brayed and cheered when uh, he said... Uh, I call them the J6 hostages, not prisoners. I call them hostages, what's happened. And it's a shame. Hostages. He is literally equating the terrorists who attacked the very idea of constitutional governance in the United States of America 
and the peaceful transfer of power to people presently being held against their will in Gaza by Hamas. Hostages. And along the way at this filthy little clavern rally, they played uh, they played the recording by the J6 prison choir at this uh, at this this uh, uh, disgusting display in Houston. Justice for All, the name of the song. In the recording, Nitwit Nero, you may recall, recites the Pledge of Allegiance. And then the terrorists imprisoned now sing the Star-Spangled Banner. They did that at the beginning of the uh, disgusting display. And Nitwit Nero, knowing he was in the heart of insurrectionist uh, attitudes, stood and saluted while they played the video. Absolutely, beyond a shadow of a doubt, just sickening. And it didn't go over too well on my filthy morning habit. I thought uh, I thought the uh, MSNBC Morning Zoo crew was going to plum have a baby, and rightfully so. Don't don't get me wrong. For a rally, Trump took the stage to a version of the national anthem recorded by imprisoned January sixth rioters. He then said this. Thank you very much. And you know what that was? That was I call them the J six hostages. Not prisoners. I call them the hostages. What's happened? And it's a shame. So, Joe, there's Donald Trump calling the people who attacked the United States Capitol, who beat up police officers with American flags, who desecrated the People's House, calling them hostages. And it you just get on the floor have to say, as a patriotic person, to watch the president of the United States, the former president, stand there in front of American flags, saluting saluting a group, that group of people who are in jail for what they did on January 6th. It's pretty repulsive. Well, and if you ask the families of the four police officers who died, they will tell you it was those people responsible for their deaths. So those people that, that took American flags that are servicemen and women uh, have taken into battle for centuries to defend freedom here and across the world, they use those flags as 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 instruments of, uh, of death, uh, uh, hoping to kill officers. Um, 
and and as you said, desecrated the people's house. And these are the people who tried to overthrow American democracy because they believed Donald Trump's lies. They believed Donald Trump's lies. And there we have police officers uh, being attacked from all sides, having that. That's that's one because they believe Donald Trump's lies. And it's all well and good to let those chickens come home to roost on Nitwit Nero. But there's more to it than that. You could believe his lies. But that did not automatically mean that you went to Washington, D.C. and participated in an attempt to overthrow the government. They had, uh, the, 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 the maggot terrorists did, I, I think we have to acknowledge, they had their very own depraved hearts to motivate them. That's not to take anything away from the ugliness of Nitwit Nero's exhortation to treason. But it's not as though they were hypnotized. They acted of their own free will. In the video that they showed this morning, that we've all seen time and time again, there are hundreds of people trying to force their way into that tunnel. And they're not automatons. They are human beings acting of their own free will in support of a man who wanted to be dictator. It is, I think, I think, I mean, I understand what uh, Scarborough is saying, but it sells these terrorists short. It sells their evil short to say that they were powerless and acting without their own will. Their heads crushed indoors, police officers taken to the ground, having bear spray used against them. Uh, uh, just, just, uh, this, is, this, this is just pure, pure evil. And speaking of that, how deeply offensive that Donald Trump has now moved from calling these people, these these thugs, uh, it's gone from calling them political prisoners to now comparing them to Jews who were ripped out of their homes. And uh, believe you me, there was no mistake. Jews ripped out of their homes on January the 7th, tortured, raped, October, beaten up, bludgeoned, grandmothers thrown on the back of, of uh, in, in the back of pickup trucks and taken underground by Hamas terrorists. And and they're the hostages. The whole world are talking about the hostages, Jonathan Lemire. And Donald Trump uses this time to compare those thugs that were beating up police officers with American flags to compare them to Jews uh, who uh, who were ripped from their homes raped, beaten, uh, uh, so many killed, uh, but, but also uh, so many taken to underground uh, tunnels 
by a terrorist organization. Yeah, Trump's comments would be deeply offensive at any time, but particularly now considering the uncertain fate of those hostages uh, in Gaza at this moment to appear at this rally with a, a song sung by a January 6th convict choir to suggest yet again that were he to be reelected president, he would pardon most of them, to let them get out. Uh, and certainly, uh, Joe and Willie, you guys know we talk about it a lot, the threat of political violence that surrounds um, this year's election and how law enforcement feels that it will be a staple of elections to come. And they have expressed some relief that there hasn't been that much yet, knock on wood, in part because some of the most potentially violent offenders are locked up. There are these Trump supporters who were arrested and convicted and imprisoned after January 6th. Well, if Donald Trump has his way in a year, year and a half or so, uh, a lot of them would back on the streets again, potentially to commit uh, more acts of violence. Yeah, he said he will pardon them and think of the signal that sends to other people considering political violence if he becomes president. We have just crossed. Sometimes the analysis is so obvious that you can't help but have more than one people, one person make it. But make no mistake, given the opportunity, if he gets back into office, they'll all be they'll all be pardoned they'll all be turned out of their uh, just and much deserved incarceration incarceration that for many of them was reduced by a maggot judge in the first place. It's disgusting. Over at the Bulwark today, Charlie Sykes, a conservative, posted an article noting something that he said was an almost prophetic warning from the framers of the Constitution about a person exactly as awful as Nitwit Nero. It's a letter written by Alexander Hamilton, who brayed a lot about civic virtue and the like at the same time that he was a, an entirely unscrupulous man himself, maybe he, he recognized the possibility. Yeah, he was a philanderer, among other things. Married for money. Married a member of the Schuyler family of New York, who were one of the families of New York. So he may have been looking within himself when he wrote when a man unprincipled in private life, desperate in his fortune, bold in his temper, possessed of considerable talents, having the advantage of military habits, despotic 
in his ordinary demeanor, known to have scoffed in private at the principles of liberty when such a man is seen to mount the hobby horse of popularity to join in the cry of dangers to liberty, to take every opportunity of embarrassing the general government and bringing it under suspicion, to flatter and fall in with all the nonsense of the zealots of the day, it may justly be suspected that his object is to throw things into confusion that he may ride the storm and direct the whirlwind. It fairly describes Clementine Caligula. Uh, Charlie Sykes, in his article, said that uh, the, found, uh, the founders and the framers would have recognized Nitwit Nero right away. If the founders are, in fact, watching all of this, I imagine that George Mason would like to have a word with James Madison. Because it was George Mason who resisted the idea of giving the presidential pardon to the chief executive. And it's, it, it, is not, it is not unreasonable to think that, in fact, he will pardon everyone who tried to overthrow the government on his behalf. And I mentioned Mullah Johnson. And by the way, we uh, should probably go ahead and uh, connect to the Skype group. Because, uh, well, we're an hour into the program. But I got some, you know, it's going to be, a, like I said, a steady drip, drip, drip of just horrible revelations of just how truly, genuinely, hideously awful Mullah Mike is. Well, we know now that before he went to Congress back in 2014, and this had some resonance for me, Because it's reminiscent of another mild-mannered seeming individual that I've mentioned on this program, the, mo the one, one of the most toxic uh, Republicans in the West Virginia legislature, a disgusting creature named Tom Fast, who now has decided he wants to be a circuit judge in my county. Tom Fast, as I have mentioned in the past, tormented a couple, two women, who were expert in foster caring for at-risk newborns. And at one point in time, early in this, earlier in this century, he tormented the couple 
saying that the at-risk newborn should be cared for by a heterosexual couple because even a newborn needs a father figure in its life. And he so thoroughly trashed them that eventually he only stopped when the Supreme Court of Appeals of the state of West Virginia said, stop or we will make you stop, and threatened his law license. Well, it was 2014 when Mullah Mike, before he entered Congress, represented the state of Louisiana, Stan, as it tried to keep a woman from adopting her own wife's biological son. Eventually the case was mooted out because of the uh, Supreme Court decision in Obergefell He also tried uh, on behalf of Louisiana Stan to keep uh, the parents, same-sex uh, same couples, from appearing together on a child's birth certificate. That's curious because it almost, uh, it, it almost seems prophetic in that the now fascist state of Italy, their horrid fascist... Uh, Premier has spearheaded an effort to remove same-sex parents from children's birth certificates. Uh, Caroline Sacconi, president of, account of Accountable.us, in an exclusive to USA Today, said... Mullah Mike's legal background reveals even more about where his true allegiances lie. And that as speaker, he hopes to force a far-right agenda on everyday Americans. Something wicked this way comes. Yes? Yes. And there's more and more and more. <laughs> uh, Todd with a note asking, did you see how disheveled and out of sorts Donnie Deutsch was on a recently passed morning Jehoshaphat? Some people did. He's all on board for collective punishment with no qualms. Remember, uh, he was the MILF's buddy for quite a while before it became clear that the MILF, mentally ill fascist, was dangerous when uh, wielding power. It's only documented, Todd says. Yeah, you're right. He was looking a little rough, for sure. Uh, thank you, Christopher. Christopher said... Uh, 
Congratulations, Robin. So wonderful to hear your brand-new granddaughter is so beautiful and healthy. Enjoy the time with the whole family. I'm out and about today celebrating my 52nd. Well, happy birthday, Christopher. Very bittersweet because my mom's is 11, too. And her memory flooded my brain for the entirety of yesterday. Today is just going to get a little... Today is just going to get a little sauced and stewed. Happy Friday, everyone. For Horn Family NBA fans, can anyone explain the in-season tournament? I'm lost. I... Well, we, you, have, you have just lit the bat signal, as it were, Christopher. Perhaps someone will be able to. Wrong girl to ask. And thank you so much uh, to uh, Dave and the Blind. Congratulations, Luna. Welcome to the world and to your lucky parents and grandparents. Glad to have you here. And so we're down to $50 to go on Bruce and Karen's Memorial Challenge. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Dave. And thank you for the, the goodness of your heart. So let me uh, go over to the old holler tree for a minute. Uh, we'll be going to the uh, old holler tree momentarily. And there we are. Hey, Roger. Hello. Oh, wait a minute. There, I think you're in. Sometimes the cord's a little weird. Good afternoon, everybody. Hey, Kevin, Hello. how are you? Good. Uh, nice. Not, not too bad out, huh? Oh, it's, well, uh, it was brutally Compared to what we've had. It was brutally cold when we came into the house uh, because, you know, no central heat and can't leave the, can't, can't leave the space heaters running because we'd like to not come home to a pile of ashes, but... Apart, no, we had a beautiful day, to, a beautiful night to drive down to Tennessee, and a beautiful day for driving back. And it, look, it looks like here we're gonna—it's just gonna be sunshine and gorgeousness for the next three or four days. Yeah, up here too. We're—it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be—it's been a little chilly lately up here, but and rainy, but um, looking good for the next few days. Got a football party Sunday. Um, one of my carriers that I work with, we do it once a year, every year, like the, usually the first Sunday in November at his house. He's got a, he's got like a big garage and he's got all the TVs in there and everybody brings something to eat. want to make a bacon wrap meatloaf. Well, that sounds yummy. Yeah. I just kind of mishmash, whatever, you know, I get the, the veal, beef, uh, pork mix. I usually make uh, like a five pound thing of it um get the nice thick bacon and the barbecue sauce you know the whole night it's always always overwhelmed everybody else brings stuff. i love it i love a good meatloaf yeah and we got a grill there too you know so 
we just actually grow stuff right there too. So little nice little mix of uh, you know grill stuff and cooks you know indoor cooked stuff. So and you get some retirees show up for as well. So it's always nice to catch up with people. So anyway, weather's supposed to be pretty good. The last few years. It's been cold there, and uh, he's got a one of those indoor fireplace things you can put in your garage, you know, one of those round things there, and uh, a torpedo heater or something like that. Um, so <laughs> we were kind of huddled in there last couple of years, but I think this year we could be outside a little more, a little longer anyway, and, you know, enjoy that. So uh, my woeful Patriots are playing at 1 o'clock. Cowboys are playing at four, so we got, oh, we got have, some Cowboys. Have, have they added an have they added an adjective to Patriots now? The woeful Patriots. Oh my God, they're terrible. They're, I mean, they're, granted, they're like they're, the Patriots when I grew up. Yeah, granted, huh? they're they're bad. They're bad. Ah, oh, yeah, Mac Jones. I feel. What do you think, Robin? What do you what's you, you been watching much of it? Or yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I've seen. I'm, you said woeful. I was thinking hapless. I don't, you think it's all his fault, though? I don't think so. No, 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 no team, no team fails. No team fails on the shoulders of one individual. Yeah, I mean, he had a good rookie year, actually. They they did pretty well his first year, and then last year, for whatever reason, and maybe because he, his name is Bill Belichick, and he's you know, Almighty God, that you know he picks Matt Patricia, defensive coordinator, to be offensive coordinator. And everybody said, "Oh my God, look at the genius Belichick." No, that didn't go over too well. <laughs> no, anyway, but you, you yeah. Boston sports fans just crack me up. Yeah, <laughs> not to be cruel or anything, but but we were suffering. Remember, hey, I suffered. I mean, other than oh, the Celtics. I, yeah, I know. Red Sox, Patriots. Yeah, when I. But I'll tell you what, man. For what they've done the last twenty years, I'm, I'm satisfied. I could be, I could be, you know, especially after two thousand three when Aaron Boone hit the walk off against Tim Wakefield in the ALCS, and oh, the yeah. Yankees beat the Red Sox again, again. I'm like, okay, it's done. I'm like, it's, it's never, we're never going to win. We're never. And then what happens? The following year, two thousand four, they pull it off with a miracle. But you know, and ever, you know. Anyway, I'm, I'm happy. You know, Patriots won won quite a few. Red Sox won what four, and I thought they'd never see them win one. So you know what? I'm not complaining, Robin. You know, if they never win another one again. No, no. Well, I mean, but they are. They will. Uh, it's just going to be a little bit. I think there's some retooling going on. So, can you answer? Right, I gotta, uh, do you follow the NBA? Kinda, yeah. Can you Good. explain the? Oh, in- that tournament thing. I yeah. Have- I, uh, I heard about it. I haven't really taken a good, solid look at the, what what the purpose is, is other than what? You win some trophy? <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea what, yeah, what it's may, all may, about. Maybe, maybe somebody will sort it out through the course of the program. I don't think it has anything to do with the playoffs or anything like that. Uh, I, it's too early in the season. Well, yeah. I think it's just for money, right? It's in Vegas, right? I guess, um, like fans go to Vegas to watch their team play. Uh, 
I haven't. I did hear about it like over the summer, but I haven't paid much attention to it. But I know it's coming up, right? December, right? Or is it this month? I'm not at all sure because to the extent I follow hoops, I follow college hoops. Not a big NBA yeah. fan. Yeah. Uh, and of course, tomorrow should be interesting. Switching gears again, uh, I think for the first time ever, the BYU Cougars. Uh, visit uh, Mountaineer Field. Morgan's? Yeah. Oh, no sh- wow. I saw, BYU. I saw, I saw one meme earlier that showed uh, uh, some guys with white shirt, short sleeve shirts and skinny dark ties and dark trousers on one side of the table and <laughs> some guys dressed up in WVU gear sitting on the other side of the table and says, if we win, they have to drink. If they win, we get baptized. <laughs> well, they had was it Jim Kelly and Jim McMahon, right? Brigham Young. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. They had some good teams back in the eighties. Remember the? Oh, Lavelle Edwards was game. a genius. Yeah, yeah. I, I that was fun watching them back then. I loved watching Brigham Young back then. All the that whole whack, that whole conference back then was a lot of fun to watch. Um, Air Force, you know, all the, you know. They, anyway, all right, I gotta shut the car off. I'm gonna go in the house and uh, I'll I'll reconnect. Okay, sounds good. All right, I'll see you guys in a, in a little bit. All right, bye. Bye. Yeah. Uh let's see. Um, I, I see. Uh, I see Steve. Um, I see Steve in the uh, in the room. Um, are you are you participating, Steve? Me, Steve, or Steve from Georgia? Uh, you, Steve. Steve from Georgia isn't in the room. Oh, okay. I, I'm I'm actually not. I can't see who's in the room. I'm looking at something. Uh, yeah, I'll participate a little bit. Um, I've been kind of out of it the last few days. Focused on focused on the new job, the potential move. Even though I'm getting a new job, I still have I'm still in this partnership, so I ha- still have to bring in business for the partnership. Um, working a full time job to make as much money as I can to, you know, do what I need to do. So right now my days are just insane. I'm behind. I need to file shit. I'm weeks behind on things. Um, you know, my anxiety for some reason, which I do not know, is through the roof. Um, weird dreams. And I won't kid you, this stuff in the Middle East, Robin. I know. How I, I keep asking myself, what's what's enough? What is fucking well, enough? Well, you know, you know it is bad. And this is going to come across poorly, I suppose. I don't know of a good way to say it, but you know it's bad when the Israel Uber Allah's uh, Biden administration says, "Ah, y'all better slow down, or it's going to it, 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 it." Because now the Biden administration, and you know Anthony Blinken is over there in in, in Israel. Uh, he gave an address today. 
And he made a point of talking about saying, of saying, you know, I've I've seen the videos that no one's seen, blah 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 blah, uh, and discussed the horrors that were visited upon Israelis, and which I do not dispute, and I don't think anybody in their right mind disputes, or disputes the wrongness of what Hamas did, but warning that. To the extent that there are nations that are sympathetic to what Israel went through, the sympathy is running is running thin because it's abundantly obvious that, and I hate talking about this, I hate talking about this uh, because it, it never does any it never does any anything but divide the community. But there is no doubt that, that this is collect. I mean, this is this is this is a war crime at this point. What's going on in Gaza? It's disproportionate. It's collective punishment of innocent civilians. No matter how many is members of the of the, of the and, and and I think the war. It's if it were anybody but but Israel, it would be actionable in 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 the in in the international criminal court. And Bibi not Netanyahu would be in the dock, uh, just like uh, you know who was it Slobodan Milosevic, and the people who perpetrated perpetrated the horrors in uh, in Sarajevo, because you know bombing bombing somebody who didn't flee southward, and by the way they're bombing in the south too. Uh, because you know there are a few elderly people in Gaza. It's really hard to become an elderly person in Gaza. But there are people who simply cannot leave, and so I guess they just get to die in some sort of act of retribution for the actions of Hamas. And, and and you know to to warn Israel that they're on the verge of losing the goodwill of the world is profound for the United States. And then there's Mullah Mike Johnson, Steve, who went ahead with his threat and tied Israeli aid to cuts to the Inflation Reduction Act. I mean, there's there's no nexus. Is there? And did I, it? Any, I actually, and, and, I and, actually thought I heard that there was a clean bill. Was I wrong in that? Uh, maybe I missed it today. There wasn't as of yesterday that I'm aware of. I thought that I heard that there was a clean bill. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna mute because I have a, one of those clicking keyboards, so I'm gonna research it. But okay, clack away. Yeah, uh, but I believe there was a clean bill that came out of the Senate, but the one out of the House was funding it by reducing the funding for the IRS. Yes, that's what came out of the and House. the and, and the Biden administration said, you know, we will veto that. The president will veto any such bill. And frankly, the the the, the twisted thinking of the maggots in the House is, well, that's cool. Because then we'll blame we'll blame Biden for not supporting Israel. But then again, you need to figure out why it's being tied 
to a defunding of the IRS. Because and and it's the the IRS funding has nothing to do with pursuing uh, tax cheats or anything like that. It's merely administrative. It's just expand expanding capacity in in an antiquated system. But the the, the maggots uh, feel they're they're eaten alive and they're they're just stewing in their own paranoia, Roger. But when you've got what I think it's fifteen years of disclosure documentation from a member of the House of Representatives that claims to not have any bank account activity in excess of $5,000 when you're being paid $174,000 a year uh, is rather ludicrous. So where is the money being hidden? Now, a strapped, financially strapped Internal Revenue Service that doesn't have the resources to investigate people in that kind of a thing might it not be beneficial to continue the IRS being strapped so they can't investigate high-income earners who don't report having any bank accounts? He hid it in his Bible. <laughs> but I think Roger's thinking too much. This is, an, this is purely an ideological thing. That's all this is. And, and... And remember what you said, Robin, that they never really wanted to elect a speaker. This is another way to say, look, we're doing something without actually doing something. Well, yeah, and and that looms in the background. I may yet not be wrong. Oh, you're going to be right about Jenny Thomas, too, being co-conspirator number six. You think? The sharks are – she is – there was something that recently came out, and I was like, oh, my God. Anyway, getting back to what Roger was saying, I, I just – Roger is would be right if these were rational people, but they're not. It's purely ideological because, you know what, let's be, let's be frank and honest here. Putting aside whether you agree with sending more money to Israel, right. it is not popular. And it's getting less and less popular. Well, it I, and and again, what I failed, what I continue to fail to see, and I know that's sort of tormented um, structuring, but nobody's talking about the fact that this, that the beneficiary of this, isn't Bibi Netanyahu, and it's not Hamas. And it's not Iran. It's Vladimir Putin. And I think if we could get our heads around that, we would understand the entire picture eminently more clearly. Because while the, you know, it, it, at least Mullah Mike and his cronies put forward a bill of some sort to support Israel. I'm sorry, I mispronounced it. Israel. But they haven't put forward shit to support the people who are actually defending uh, democracy on a global basis. And by that, I mean Ukraine. 
Israel's fight against Hamas and Hezbollah and whatever, that's their fight. I mean, that that's a fight they've been fighting since 1948, on and off. I'm not dismissing it, but it is not a fight to defend democracy against the forces of global fascism. That is Ukraine. Because if Ukraine falls, then it's Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Finland, Poland. And even though uh, Vladdy Daddy's been bloodied up uh, plenty good, he still has the same ambitions. But the House hasn't put together a, a, a single thin dime of what the Biden administration asked for. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's their next step. Okay, we'll give you know we'll give three dollars and sixteen cents to Ukraine, uh, but we're going to have to zero out the entirety of the Inflation Reduction Act to do it. It's trans. It's 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 transparently transactional. It's performative AF. But again. No one's talking about the fact that the beneficiary is Putin. I mean, I'm sure Bibi Netanyahu wants more bombs and guns and rockets and missiles and whatnot. Because, you know, what country wouldn't like to have free armaments? But it doesn't, it doesn't inure to his benefit beyond the mere transactional. Supporting Ukraine, defending Ukraine, or making it possible for Ukraine to defend itself, does inure to the benefit of the world of, of, of democracy, quote-unquote, on a global basis. And it's being entirely lost in the shuffle. And it's shameful. Steve, it's just shameful. I, I agree. And and, I, and 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 at the risk of, uh, I mean, I don't want to alienate any members of this community, but and 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 I welcome I welcome all the I welcome you know all points of view. But like the story over the last few days of uh, people tearing down hostage posters that were posted by activists here in the United States. Um, I'm, I'm sure you've heard about that, right, Steve? Uh, was that in New York? Because I actually walked out of the subway the other day, and there was a, a, um, a number of posters. Yes. And so the question becomes – and. And, and and I've heard it discussed on various news programs, you know, that it's somehow wrong for anyone to tear those posters down. Is there some impression that some of the Hamas hostages are being held in New York City or anywhere in the United States for that matter? You know, busted knuckle Alabama? Because, again, putting those posters up in New York or anywhere else is just performative. (laughs) 
you know, where those posters really need to go up is in Gaza City or anywhere else in Gaza. I mean, I, I don't. I mean, I remember I you're you're old enough. I'm old, and I know I'm old enough, and, and and older members of this community are certainly old enough to remember how uh, Nightline was born. ABC's Nightline, Ted Koppel. Nightline was born uh, out of the Iranian hostage crisis, and so every day there would be some kind of coverage. And some mention of the American hostages being held, presumably in Tehran. And you know, if there was actual information in the broadcast about where the situation stood, good. And not forgetting them, good. But in the end, it wound up being nothing but an attempt to, or, or a facilitation of a portrayal of the supposed weakness of Jimmy Carter, whose attempts to bring the hostages home were undermined by all of that propaganda. And, you know, the uh, the, the, the U.S. multimillionaire for-profit media can certainly be guilty of propaganda. And so posting that fly, those flyers feels like propaganda. It's a way of stirring up uh, anti-Palestinian hate. Because one of the things that you are beginning to see now is that Jewish college students are saying, we don't feel safe. And their, uh, their, their Palestinian equals are saying, neither do we. I'm going to disagree with you here. That doesn't happen very often. I don't I don't find it performative. I find it I find it as and pardon me everybody if if I start sobbing, you have to under, please understand this has been on my for whatever I don't know why this has been so on my mind, but it has. People have their way, uh, their own ways of coping. I may not understand. I may find it weird. I may find it silly. I think what. Those posters up, and I suspect that those posters are probably uh, people who are either New Yorkers, native New Yorkers who live in Israel or have family in Israel, or they are the family of people here. And there probably is a, and justifiable or not, a fear that people will forget. So you know I have come to conclude you know if I mean all kinds of 
uh, questions have been ro- ro- roaming around in my mind, and I I don't like the conclusions I've come to on a lot of things. Um, but this has this has the feel of nobody knows what to do. Nobody knows how to act or react. Nobody knows, I, and, you know, and, and I think the sad thing about it and here in the U.S., we get a completely unbalanced view. And I think that people are people are doing what they can um, and I, I I I think the sad thing is and if I'm going all over the place I apologize what is happening to a lot of Jewish folks is what's happening to a lot of uh, a lot of Arab and Palestine I hate using the term Palestinian Arab and Muslim interchangeably because there are there are non-Arab Palestinians. Right, right. Non, 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 yeah. yeah, that doesn't work. Yeah, there are non there are non-Muslim Arabs, there are Jewish Arabs, Christian Arabs, and there's a considerable Christian community in Gaza. Yes. Um, They're getting bombed I, too. The problem is the the it, it it's it's always the error at least in the, I'll say in the U.S., it's often the ignorant who are who conflate what a government does to what its to its it imputes what its government does to its people, or it it sees in the case of Israel and Jewish people, they see Israel. And, and a Jewish person, and they see they only they're all interchangeable, which is something that is because as far as I'm concerned, on anything like this, the only people who are to blame are the people who are fucking doing it. So Netanyahu and his Genuine, and I'm not using this as a as a almost sl- a slang term. He is a fascist. People in his cabinet are more than fascist. They are bona fide Nazis. If you look at some of the shit that's that they're ta- that they're saying, these IDF people are just. I mean, I, I, well, I don't want to say anything about the IDF. Well, yeah, hold on, hold on, because generally speaking, in Israel, the tech sector and the IDF are are, are more secular than religiously insane. But Bibi Netanyahu's government, for as far as I can tell, is um, one beard and some headgear different from you know, it's, it's a different beard and different headgear different from the Iranian mullahs. Certainly, they, in their actions, they the are they, they are yeah. radical right wing religious extremists. And I don't even think that even to me that no, doesn't no, it, 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 it's not, it's not sufficient. 
and I, and I, I, and I think the uh, like I say the big problem is that people are equating their 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 disgust and frustration with the government of Israel with on the ground Jews, on the ground Israelis, there and regular Jewish folk here which is fucking ridiculous. I don't care I don't care how Zionist a Jew may be here, they are not the Netanyahu government and they are not doing this. And if 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 you get beneath the surface what you find out is there's an awful lot of Israeli Jews and Israeli Zionists and Jew, you know all of it who are like fucking stop this my understanding is there's that there's a I don't know how many of them but there's a significant number of families of the hostages who are saying stop this I mean let, let's let's well, just we also need to, we also need to look at how unpopular Netanyahu was prior to October 7th and how any nation rallies behind the government when they've been attacked. But I think Netanyahu's days are incredibly numbered uh, over what's going on. And and just as you're saying, Steve, the incredible amount of, of Israeli people I know of, and my niece's husband is Israeli, um, are totally opposed to what's going on, totally opposed to what Netanyahu's doing, and are just as dismayed as we who are not of Israeli persuasion uh, are about this whole situation. I mean, it's like there's there may not not be any one right way to do it, but there's definitely a wrong way, which is and, what's going on. Right, and and the wrong way is being pounded on by both sides. I mean, I hate to be a both-siders person, but what Hamas did was atrocious. What Netanyahu is doing is atrocious. And Netanyahu uh, has totally fucked it over with the West Bank because had he not been so hell-bent on all the settlements and, and the ripping off of Palestinians in the West Bank, that could have been a demonstration on how, yes, we are interested in trying to coexist and live peacefully. But the Netanyahu government, with the fascists in his, court, in his cabinet, have exacerbated the problem even on the West Bank in, in screwing this whole thing up. Well, and take it back further than that, Roger. This, this all only happens, Hamas only happens because uh, and and only gets as strong as it does and has the resources that it does because Bibi Netanyahu made it happen. It was Bibi Netanyahu who went to his own government and says, "Listen, you got to get behind me on this. We're going to let a billion dollars go from Qatar to Gaza and we're going to make sure that Hamas becomes the government of Gaza to weaken the Palestinian authority in the West Bank." And keeping those two at each other's throats will make sure that there is never a two-state solution. Because 
Bibi Netanyahu has always been fascistly opposed to a two-state solution for Palestine. And so that's the only thing that lets this all happen. The, 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 the genesis of all this, no pun intended, is Bibi Netanyahu's fascist hang-ups with making sure that the Palestinian people remain oppressed and immiserated. I don't think I'm getting this wrong. I mean, these are things that these are things that Haaretz and the Jerusalem Post have both complained about. And there should be a reckoning. I don't think you're getting it wrong either. I don't think you're getting it wrong either, Robin. It, it's just, it is a mess that has been generated and created and exacerbated by various uh, governments on all sides. And, and it's almost to the point now where, well, shit. Let them fight it out till nobody's alive, and then we can declare that area vacant and let whoever wants to live there live there. I, I, I'm very distressed, disappointed, upset um, with this whole thing because there's no answer to the problem with the, the present actors involved. Right. And it, it, you know, for anyone who can who continues to persist in saying. That this is entirely a, a Hamas problem. They're not. They're not even looking at the situation on the ground, or the situation as it has been over the course of years, over a decade, nearly two decades. You know, because it goes back to 2006. Alexa, you, you can also go back to the original 1947 when a bunch of white people in Europe, uh, particularly the British, Alexa, uh, along with others, one. took out a Sharpie and drew a bunch of lines in a piece of the desert that happened to have the, the home of the major religions Alexa, and drew some artificial boundaries. Lights on. Hey, Jeremy, uh, uh, your mic's open for you when you're talking to Alexa. My bad. You you can, but I, but but I think that that leads down a troublesome path, to say the very least. Because then then you have to go back to the Balfour Declaration, and then you have, then and the next thing you know, you're 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 back in the Ottoman Empire, and and the, then you leave the Ottoman Empire, and you're somewhere back in the Old Testament, and, and then no, actually you're in the then you're in the Quran, and then you're in the Old Testament. Anyhow, but I mean, uh, your your point your point's well taken. But it, you know, among other things, uh, you know, Bibi Netanyahu seems to think that he can bomb his way to success. And if he was paying attention to say what the United States did in Oh Fallujah or any of a number of other Iraqi cities and towns. House to house fighting is brutal and ugly, and ultimately that's the only way they're going to clear Hamas out. And they're going to, and in the meantime, they're just killing civilians. And if uh, I I remember CNN going wall to wall a while back, several years back, 
with the shock and awe campaign. Lord, yes. And and nobody was calling for a war crimes tribunal in the media anyhow. The talking heads on the media weren't talking about, <clears throat> well, he should be up before the world court in Geneva or, or Denmark or wherever the hell they have the world court the for uh, the Hague uh, over what the shock Bush did with shock and awe. But all of a sudden, they're screaming that Bibi Netanyahu ought to be brought up to the Hague. I, I, I just, this is just ever so frustrating. Ever so frustrating. Can I can I just say something about that? And we talked about this previously. Netanyahu cannot the Hague the the ICC does not have jurisdiction over him. No, no, they unless don't. Unless he's unless he's captured in a in a country that is a signatory. Um, you had mentioned what was happening in Yugoslavia. Yugoslavia was before the – with uh, Milosevic was before the International Criminal Court. Right. There was, there was actually a special tribunal called the International Court – the International Criminal Tribunal for Yugoslavia, much like the one for Nazi Germany and then there was one for the Japanese. So that's that's what that was. Um, I, I think this is – I this this – if you want to see what's going to happen if Trump gets reelected, Netanyahu is showing you. Yeah. He, he is oh, that, doing, oh, wait a minute. That That is really astute. He'll get the, yeah, get the bit in his teeth and do as he pleases. And he will, he will, and what gets, a, like Roger said, what gets a country to rally around whoever it is, an enemy, an attack, Something like that. Now, would would actually people rally around Trump? No, I don't think so. Other than the, other than his own maggots, but that's the that's the that's the uh, what's the word I want? That's the paradigm that people he won't see that, but that's the paradigm people will tell him. But this this is first of all. And I've come to think this that this the hostages are nothing more than a pawn in Netanyahu's desire to keep this going because he wants to stay out of jail. Because the minute those hostages came home alive, what is the real reason to keep continue the 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 massacre? There isn't one because people are. People are going to see this has nothing to do with with, you know, Okay, this has nothing to do with getting Hamas, because you know what? If that's what it were about, they would it would be a. They would go there to get Hamas, because what have we been? Bingo, bingo. You 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 you, 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 the, the duck just dropped. Okay. They, because what of what is one of the things that, that that Israel has told us is that the uh, that Shin Bet and the uh, Mossad and all their intelligence agencies know where they are. Well, we know they're there. That's that's a tunnel there. They're using that tunnel. That's where they are. That's their headquarters. Bingo. If that were really the fucking case, and they go, okay, we're going to send the IDF, we're going to send troops in there to go get the fuckers and bring them out. It's exactly what they did with Adolf Eichmann in Argentina. 
That's exactly what the U.S. should have done in Argentina. And recall, remember this, folks, we had bin Laden, etc., surrounded at Tora Bora, and much like Bibi pulled the troops to, to the West Bank, dick fuck fucknuts from uh, Bush and his and his uh, and Cheney pulled troops you mean out dick, of you mean you mean dick cheney before he dicks us count dickula exactly. remember remember they had Torabora surrounded except uh-huh. they pulled the troops out to go to iraq they knew where they were mm-hmm. netanyahu knows where they are. well he says he knows where well they are. I, I want you to i want you to back up just for a minute because uh, you hit something there and you kind of you didn't breeze past it but you were it was part of a larger point we know these tunnels are terrorist warrens. And Randy Radar just said, isn't that a portion of the reason that Hamas is terrorist because Gaza is not a state? Otherwise, it would be two states going after each other in a war. Yeah, kind of. And, no, you know, the, and the Palestinian Authority over in the West Bank. But, but, but hold on. I mean, we got a really good exchange going here. You live in New York, Steve, at least for now. I, I say that based on your email that I shared the other night. Mm-hmm. Uh, much like an iceberg, the part the part of New York that you see above the ground, the sky skyscrapers and whatnot, tells only part of the story. And what I mean by that is... Uh, there's a lot of underground too. Take uh, uh, Columbia, New York Presbyterian Hospital. You suppose that Columbia, New York Presbyterian Hospital has a basement, maybe even a sub basement or a sub sub basement. Almost guarantee it. Remember the first time that. Uh, uh, Al-Qaeda tried to bring down the Twin Towers in 1993. Remember how they did yep. it? Yep. They put the uh, explosives in the uh, parking garage. Which was under yeah. the World Trade Center? It takes a lot of substructure to hold up a, hold up a tall building. So why wouldn't hospitals in Gaza have substructure? Uh, you were you were a, you were a legislative aide in Washington D.C. I was just thinking about all the tunnels. Yeah, how did how you know how does how does a member of Congress get from uh, the Cannon House office building uh, to the floor of the House on say a rainy shitty day in Washington D.C. or any day? But how? Go to the tunnel and take that little subway if you want to, or just walk. Yeah. Are those terrorist warrens? No, they are structural. They, they, they are they are they are part of the structural integrity of the of the complex. But because they're in Gaza, they're terrorist warrens. And so while and and I noticed this earlier today as I was preparing to leave Tennessee, uh, you know, originally, well, you know. Uh, the, the Hamas blew its own hospital up with a rocket. Because that's how Hamas is. And then today I hear them saying, yeah, well, these hospitals all have tunnels under them. 
because the because Hamas hides under the hospitals. Yeah, two things can be true at the same time. Maybe Hamas does. But maybe if you're a hospital and I don't know, a frequently bombed place like Gaza, maybe having sub-basements is a good place to take your patients to keep them from getting blown into a red mist the next time Israel decides to launch some missiles. Maybe it's a place for people to go and hide. I grew up in an era, I know Roger did, uh, where there were fallout shelters. In case the uh, in case the Reds decided to push the button down, and as often as not, you tried to have those be underground to protect you against the radiation. Some of this just some of this just seems transparently fabricated talking point. The other thing I wanted to, the other thing I wanted to raise though was something that you also touched on. And that is that sooner or later you have to start stop bombing and start fighting. And I think this is the one thing that 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 gives Bibi Netanyahu, psy- a psychopath that he is, the turtle squirts. Because he was in horrible, horrible trouble only a month before all of this went down. Uh, he's one of the biggest beneficiaries of this. Uh, personally, kind of the way Putin is, because he went from a point where uh, the IDF reserves were saying, we will not show up if called if you go through with this 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 uh, ham-fisted, no pun intended, uh, this ham-fisted power grab to... Uh, it, Reservists leaving the United States of America because uh, uh, they were on business or whatever to get on the first flight home to Israel. That's a huge win for him. But sooner, but the problem is, the Israelis can watch Gaza be reduced to rubble, and the and the and the Palestinians, to use a term, pushed into the sea. And. You're right. Some of the more secular Israelis are sickened by it. But the one place that Bibi is terrified to go is to look at the IDF and say, man up, and send them walking through the streets of Gaza City and actually having to fight to eliminate Hamas once and for all. Because that's going to be bloody and that's going to be ugly. You know, anybody with a working knowledge of World War II and, say, the fighting on Okinawa or the house-to-house fighting uh, that took place uh, once we crossed the Rhine into Germany in, in German cities knows how ugly and bloody that is and deadly. And the secular, and 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 I, I think I think if if and and you know the, again, this was one of the things that horrified uh, dim, dim leader. Once he started his war of choice against the innocent people of Iraq, was people coming home in body bags. Do you recall back then how uh, how the Bush administration tried and tried and tried to make sure that there was no media coverage? of 
American KIAs coming home to Delaware in body bags or in the early days of the war in cardboard boxes. They did everything in their power to prevent that. And I don't know if anybody else has ever has picked up on it, but this is also a, 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 a point of, to, to be discussed. Why is there a media blackout in Gaza? Media are not allowed in Gaza. They are not allowed in Gaza by the Israeli government. Why? Because it's too dangerous for war correspondents? That's kind of part of the job description of war correspondent, isn't it? There was also the silencing of all Internet Mm -hmm. and cell phones and all the rest of it. So why does a free and open democracy need to resort to that sort of thing? Um, By the way, I I need to send thank yous out to Colin. Colin finished off Bruce and Karen's memorial challenge. Thank you so much, Colin. And so that means we're down to a $1,000 deficit from last October. Uh, I didn't even include today in the goal. Uh, we've got about an hour to try to make up some ground there if we can. And it would be great if we could because this is one of those play points where it just gets gets difficult, extremely difficult, because we've reached cold weather and that means that clean coal fried electricity is going to break me. And, you know, probably before noon tomorrow, I'll be calling the parts department at my local Ford dealership to find out how much that damn wheel costs. Oh, and the engine light came on. Something to do with a vacuum sensor and the uh, fuel rail and Jesus. Uh, that's what happens when you get north of 112,000 miles or whatever. Uh, sorry to even mention it, but y'all know that's how this program exists. Um, well, I sympathize with you, Robin. <clears throat> this last week, my check engine light came on, and uh, by the time I got done with the shop, I got to give them $1,400. Yeah. Which, which car did it come on in? Oh, my Nissan pickup. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. 225,000 miles, and I'm looking for a new vehicle, but they don't make the one I want anymore by anybody, either in in internal combustion engine or electric. That's a a giant ouch. I want a two-door, two-seat, relatively long bed, small pickup. You know, like a You're right. that yeah, that doesn't, Frontier. Yeah, that doesn't exist anymore, does it? Nope. They're all four-door with a dashboard that looks like you're driving a spaceship. Now, in a, in a, in a larger frame, you can still get that in uh, like a, a Ram. Long bed, traditional Not cab, you. bench seat. Unless you want to buy used. Really? That's a no-no, too? Correct. Damn. In my research, there is not a single two-door, two-seat 
And when I say long bed, I just mean not one of those little short bed numbers. Yeah, the little, you know, little, not, little square box. Yeah, I'm not talking a, a 10-foot long pickup bed. I'm just talking a, you know, small pickup truck with the short cab instead of the four-door cab. And I, I don't need four doors in a front and back seat. But can't buy them. Don't exist. I'll be damned. I have a feeling there's going to be uh, more of that. You know, the thing, uh, you can't, uh, I remember I was talking to Boss Man Wayne a couple of years ago, and he said, you know what? You cannot get a Ford pickup truck with a standard transmission anymore. I don't think there's a pickup truck on the market with a standard transmission anymore. No. And and the, the, the modern... Uh, the modern automatic transmissions are all drive-by-wire. I, I mean, I, I welcome to the future, I guess. Um, damnedest thing. So, uh, so I got. But, but there's a happy little story. Thank you for dragging us out of Israel and Gaza, Roger. There's a happy little story that goes with this. I, Popped into the little rippy mart up the road from my son and daughter-in-law's to air the tire back up and went in to get quarters. Jesus. At least when I pumped quarters into a machine back in the day, I got to, I got, I got to play Ms. Pac-Man. Now I just get air. It's more expensive. And of his own volition, uh, the fellow there at the store said, uh, there's a there's a there's a tire and auto center just on down the road uh, on the way to Blountville, and they'll, they'll probably they'll probably hook. And sure enough, I went down there, and this uh, and the late and the lady who was the front office manager said, "Oh, I'll get one of the boys to go out and put and and uh, and and put your car on the machine, and we'll find out what's got your light going, and uh, we'll put some air in your tire for you too." Sweet. Well, I was already aired up, but. He did tell me it was a, uh, it was the, uh, it was a fuel sensor on the fuel rail, etc. And, and and then he added parenthetically, them things, da- them damnedest things to replace. Seems like you got to take apart the whole damned engine. It's it, we've seen we've seen it in these fusions a thousand times. They're bulletproof cars. They'll run for a thousand miles, a million miles. But I tell you what, you do not want to replace that sensor. You'll be all right, ma'am. You just you you should be okay for a good long while. You just see you see to it when you can. They were just sweet as can be, and the lady in the front office made decals and sold them, and she had one in a pretty pink script said "Country Girl" and it showed a little little you know with like little swirls and stuff, and part of it was a doe a doe in profile. Uh, so yeah, I bought a decal from her because she was real kind to me, and it, but. As creepy as Tennessee is, it was yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, thank you, ma'am. Yeah. Just sweet, kind, wonderful, lovely. So there's that. Well, let's drift off to a little food porn for a bit. Uh, one second. I got to uh, just uh, hold hold the food porn because I definitely want that. Uh, but I got a note from Matt in San Francisco. Chaos, K- spelled K-A-O-S. Maxwell Smart was one of my favorites. Aside from all the concerns regarding the inhumanity of the situation in the Middle East, I also worry that the longer this goes on, the longer President Biden is seen as standing with Israel, no matter what, 
the more we'll see softening support for Biden from younger voters, which the last time I checked, he really needs them to win. Then on top of all that, the more chaos that happens, the more appealing a strongman type of leader is to a good size of the electorate. But the way this is progressing, I just don't see it benefiting Biden. And there are so many players who at the moment are in the sidelines that are itching to get in. If that happens, more chaos. Cui bono? To whom the benefit? Not us, that's for sure. Maybe I see Putin's fingerprints where they're not, but it seems to me that the main person who benefits from the chaos is Putin. Thank you for the validation, Matt. I appreciate it because you look and you look and you look, and that's the only one you can see who really, really derives a substantial benefit from it. And, and remind me, because I've got another one of those Dumbass editorials about Biden's too old and nobody trusts Kamala Harris. Nobody likes Kamala Harris and they don't think she's competent. It's like, oh, God, why does every woman have to put up with this when she gets anywhere near the presidency? And this one happened to run in the Chicago Tribune. Uh, Clarence says uh, tunnels. Robin, the tunnel complex strategy was a massive headache for U.S. infantry divisions in Vietnam. Oh, I know. I remember small-billed GIs volunteering for that duty. These guys were called tunnel rats. Many of them died, and many became heroes. So I think the IDF is going to have the same struggle that the U.S. Army and Marines experienced. The tunnels today are more advanced. I do not think this shooting match is going to end well for either side. I think you're right, Clarence. And I think that's why, with the benefit of hindsight, the Biden administration, the Department of State, even the Pentagon are saying, guys, you're getting it wrong. You're acting out of, out of passion and without reason. And I don't mean without justification. I mean without the rational faculties of the mind. It's just a bloodlust. It's a desire for backseas. It's a desire for vengeance. And... Here we are. Uh, Billable Rick has awarded a cowbell to Steve. Here's my cowbell. Please remind Steve that the U.S. had bin Laden surrounded on all three sides at Tora Bora. Bin Laden was able to escape from that cave complex by exiting on the fourth side to Pakistan. The fourth side, exactly. And I remember when there was some talk of, of, of uh, holding Bush accountable... I remember a certain president somewhere around 2009 saying, we need to look forward and not back. Anybody remember that? Can, can I say something regarding that? Yes. This is not going to be popular. But I am actually, the more I th- have thought about this, I actually think history will treat Obama a lot worse than we think. Uh, you're not going to get any fight out of me. I mean, he was he was a good president, but he did some really reprehensible things and set some really bad precedents. Yeah, like we need to look forward and not back. And 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 I uh, want I want Ohio to be I want Ohio, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Kentucky, uh, to be the Saudi Arabia of coal. That one always really got all over me like fire ants. Well, oh my God, I didn't know he said. You, you just well, uh, I just threw up yeah. in my mouth. Um, uh, well, he started saying it when he was a state senator 
in Illinois. Because you know, Illinois has a coal industry. And said, I want Illinois to be the Saudi Arabia of coal. You know, I understand what he's saying. But isn't there a fucking different, better way to say it? Yes, there is. I mean, it's, yeah, of course there is. Number one and number oh, Jesus. You know, I will. I'll say the one. I need thing to that not I, do these things to you. Yeah, I. You know, but yeah, you know what, Robin? I will tell you this. This, I don't know what about this. Look, we have seen. We have seen conflicts in the Middle East endlessly. I don't know. Maybe someone can tell me if I'm if 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 I'm unique in this and if I'm not, why? But this seems different. And I don't and I'm and and and, and the fact is is there are wars all over the world right now. I don't know, I can't figure out why this one, at least for me, has been as much on my mind as anything. Um, oh, and, and the other thing that really pisses me off about Obama is he set the precedent that there are circumstances under which a the U.S. can kill a U.S. citizen without any due process. And he did that. When he when he bombed Al Alaki, in uh, I think it was in it might have been uh, where was it in Pakistan or Afghanistan? Oh damn! He killed a terrorist outside of our fucking country. Doesn't matter. And he wasn't. He the guy was in a car. Oh, wasn't, and he was wait, in wait, wait, wasn't that Yemen? I think it may have been Yemen. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Your fucking constitutional rights do not end when you leave the country. When you are a <laughs> sure citizen. they do. No, they don't. Oh, oh, they don't. Don't. No, no, they, they don't. don't. Uh, we we had the, we had this fight many years ago. Uh, no, they don't. That is a legal fact. That's not up for interpretation. <laughs> I'm glad you think so. It is. Sorry, it is. God damn it! When I go, if I go to England and I have an and and, and I, I am an American citizen, and if you read your little passport there, it says that. Tell the other countries they, they have to protect me, and I am entitled to all of my constitutional rights wherever I am. And there's your American privilege. <clears throat> I don't give a shit if it's my American privilege. It's anybody is entitled to the, 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 the privileges of their citizenship wherever they are. That's going to work out well for you. I don't give a flying fuck what you think. Hey, you can, easy. You can just lose this. Evidently you do, Steve. Evidently you do. No, you can you're lose swearing at me. Person. You're swearing at me. You're, you can, I wasn't swearing at you. Yeah, you were. You can lose. No, I wasn't. I was swearing. Don't give a flying at fuck. Not at you. He was swearing, okay. not at you. That wasn't You're right. No. You can lose the sarcasm. Oh, me? 
Me, I can lose the sarcasm. Yes. No, sorry. Boys, stop. Let's, let's just let's just switch the subject because this is a no-win situation. You can say what you want. I can say what I want. It's all theoretical. It's not. You're wrong and I'm right. Stop. I said okay, stop. Really? I said let's switch the subject. Agree to disagree. No big deal. But no, there were there were there were mistakes made, and the critical fact is that Joe Biden was there for eight years to watch the mistakes made. Remember, Joe Biden forced Barack Obama to acknowledge the validity of same-sex marriage. None of this civil union horseshit. Marriage. You know, the flowers, the music. The fancy clothes, the marriage, divorce. the divorce. Yes, well, you know it was good for the lawyers too because with gay marriage comes gay divorce. I had a friend once who said, "I want everybody to be able to get married," so because I want everybody to understand just how horrid it is. Uh, he was embittered at the time. Uh, let's see. So, um, yeah, we are at a thousand bucks to go. Hopefully. We'll knock some of that down. Um, and someone is on the stress line. Uh, Clarence noting, Obama legacy. I agree with you and Steve. Obama's move in Libya and Syria was a failure. Look at those countries today. The removal of Gaddafi at the time was a mistake. Russia is calling the shots in that region. Yeah, you know, we. It's it's all a, it's all a case of political act in haste and repent in leisure. And I'm tired of the repentant. That we got better things to do with our time, and you know we've and and again we've done it right here. We've become entirely in in, in mired. Excuse me. In Israel, I'm sorry, Israel, and Gaza, while we ignore. The fight, the desperate fight for a democracy against a ravenous authoritarian fascist dictatorship. And by that I mean Ukraine's existential struggle against Mother Muscovy. Anyway, we've got someone on the stress line. Hey, welcome to the program. So, um, Darlene from Connecticut. Darlene, yay, yay. Uh, yeah, so I, first of all, congratulations on Luna. Thank you. Uh, to you and Annette, and I think that's really cute that she has that shock of red hair. So I'm sure Annette is very proud because she's uh, she herself is a good-looking redhead. So uh, congratulations. So once was um, I. Well, at least I was a redhead. And <laughs> Luna, obviously was a long time coming, but worth the wait. And um, because I got, you know, it seemed like she, she could appear at any moment and um, it seemed like the day kept dragging on and on and on. And uh, then suddenly... Right, and hence the magic of her making her grand appearance on my father's birthday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I like that symbolism. I like that, that synergy. Yeah. And there and and, um, Dar- Dar- and uh, happy birthday to yeah. I was just happy birthday one. to Chris. Oh, absolutely yeah. happy birthday to Chris. I hope. I said he said he was getting okay. uh, 
stewed and sauced. I hope that was food porn. Uh, I got a feeling maybe it wasn't. And so if it's not, do so uh, responsibly and as merrily as you possibly can, Chris. You're dear to us all. So um, I called it because I'm glad Steve brought up what's going on in Gaza. Um, And um, I... This is something that I... It's extremely distressing when you see, you know, 3,000 Palestinian children. I mean, you could plunk my eldest nephew um, and my oldest niece in the middle of Palestine. They fit right in. Um, just in terms of their coloring and their look, their mother's full-blooded Greek. Um, so I, I think because these people are trapped, they've been trapped for as long as, for decades, um, there's no doubt for them. And I fear that we're looking down the barrel of Democrats snatching defeat from the jaws of victory once again. Um, because this isn't sitting well, not only with Arab Americans, but also um, with some Jewish Americans. Now, there was a, a woman, a rabbi, who stood up recently during a speech that Biden was making and begged him to please call a ceasefire. And she said, we do not want what's happening in our name. And she got booed and hissed at by the crowd. Biden just stood there. I they cut out, so I don't know if he said, you know, don't, you know, usually he's pretty, he handles hecklers very well. This wasn't your ordinary heckler. <laughs> this was a, a rabbi who was begging him, you know, we don't want this in our name. Hillary Clinton is teaching a class, uh, a special workshop or something like that. You mentioned the Columbia Presbyterian at Columbia University. Right. And a whole bunch of students got up and walked out in the middle of her lecture. Now, they said it wasn't necessarily directed at her. Uh, you know, it, it was more or less a mass exodus. Um, uh, again, they were described as Arab-American students with other students joining with them and protesting what's happening in Gaza. And again, this sort of brings up that ugly establishment streak that we see in Democrats. And I'm sorry, but Hillary's there with that. Joe Biden. Um, Dean Phillips, he got an earful um, as he was stumping in New Hampshire with his useless campaign. Um, And an African-American woman was screaming at him and saying, she kept saying 3,000 children were killed Please, you know, I, I want you to call a ceasefire. Another man, a, a man got up and also swore him, you know. And, of course, Dean Phillips said, you know, what about the Israeli kids? You know, I noticed you didn't mention that. And that is just not helpful because what happened with the Israeli children and adults 
is devastating as well, but it's not proportionate. The response is not proportionate. And there was a general, an Israeli general, that got on one of the programs, I don't know if it was MSNBC or CNN or whatever. Oh, and, you know, they, they go ahead and they drop um, uh, warning, like the flyers, to, you know, to warn an area that they're, they're going to be bombing and blah, blah. He lied. It was a lie. This is a bullshit lie. And we're seeing this disproportionate response. And to me, what that leads to me is the deaths of 3,000 innocent Palestinian children is equivalent to the deaths of the 1,400 um, Israelis and Israeli children. Right. Acceptable losses. Brown people versus white. And Obama was brought up, I think, by Steve Obama. No, Obama also said something along the lines of, you know, you don't have to deal with Benjamin Netanyahu like I do. Remember he was, somebody had mentioned, he he had mentioned something was kind of off the cuff comment. Yet they all seem like they have to run over and kiss the rings of the Saudis. It seems like they still have to do that with Benjamin Netanyahu. Um, and this is our, this, this is our tax dollars. Last I understood, 66% of the American people. Now, I don't know if that's an old stat from 11 days ago, because I was watching Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez gave a very long um, YouTube um, video on why she and 17 other uh, congressional representatives have called for a ceasefire. And she said, people are really angry. She said, but this is indiscriminate. It's not proportionate. This is this is problematic, or if it was on a rational national today, but the 66% is probably even higher now. The 66% cuts across all political lines of Americans that want to cease fire. It crosses all political parties. We don't want to see this, and we don't like the the, the rabbi. This is these are our tax dollars that are constantly being used. To kill indiscriminately, and we don't have a say. It's the same damn pattern. It's the same enabling of Israel of Netanyahu with it's no the, strings attached. Dar, yeah, Darlene, it's the same American imperialism. I mean, I, I, I know, <laughs> I know, I know. It sound, that sounds like jingoistic language, but it is. It, it, the Republicans do it. The Democrats do it. it, it, it they just do. But here's but here's what's 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 frightening. Okay, that all stated, and they're described. You know, I I know Steve got into the nuances of Amer- of Arab American and so on. But they were described as Arab Americans. Yeah, I think it's Minnesota. They, they're they're saying they're fed up with Biden, and they're they're sitting. They're oh, sitting it's it's it's, Minis- it's Minnesota. It's Michigan. Yes. Okay, so Michigan too, Minnesota, Michigan. Um, clearly, Ileana Omar has a, a you know quite a, um, a heavy duty popu- population of Muslim Americans that she represents. They delivered Arab Americans delivered uh, some of these states to Biden, and they're so frustrated by what they're seeing. They're saying we're sitting this out. The African American lady at this. Some speech in New Hampshire. She's like, I can't bring myself to vote for Biden. I'm sitting it out. I just can't do. I can't bring myself to do this. 
Well, I, okay, I don't think I don't so, think I'm tell, no. I don't think I'm telling tales out of school here, Darlene. But I've already I've received notes along those lines uh, to me, um, saying you know say about me what you will, but come 2024, I will not vote for Trump or any other Republican. But I'm damn sure not going to vote for Biden either. And this is not the time for that particular conversation, but it's a reality. And it's extremely frightening because if they think, you know, people think that it's going to be any better with with a Republican or a maggot, you know, it's not seeing the forest for the trees, but it's extremely concerning when you have basically Jim Gordon saying our our dear friends in Israel, you know, and it's, it sounds like here we are with the strange bedfellows, Democrats and the ultra maggots when it comes to, to Israel. And again, no strings attached. It's the same damn thing. And maybe because things have quote unquote been quiet. I mean, not that things haven't been horrific um, in Gaza and the Palestinian territories, but it's been quiet. Now, a major war has erupted, and Netanyahu does. The president doesn't give a shit about the remaining hostages. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. And we can go on and on about how he's caused this and everything else. When the students brought that up, vis-a-vis Hillary Clinton at Columbia, some of her spokespeople said, "People, you know, these students just they get they they gaslit them." These students don't appreciate or understand, um, you know, what's really happening and what's really going on there. So we're being gaslit on this. Why? Why? What is so tough? It, you know, APAC has been very quiet. You know, I would have liked her, the ADL, coming to, maybe they did, but I didn't hear or see a headline that the ADL came in defense of uh, Rashida Tlaib in that ridiculous censure attempt by that horrid Marjorie Trader gang. Yes. No. Um, there has to be some unity with Jewish Americans and Muslim or Arab Americans in this country to say enough. And they're trapped. The Palestinian people are trapped. They're squeezed between Hamas and Netanyahu. They and have the no sea. place to go. And the sea. And and and, 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 tra- and, and, and and Egypt, okay. I mean, let's make no let's make no bones about that. You know, Egypt doesn't want that. No one, no one wants the Palestinians. And well, there, and there and, and, and there's a certain there's a certain historical echo, for instance, with the SS St. Louis in what 1939, 38. That ship tried to dock. And offload Jews who were at hazard of death, and the United States and other countries said, Mm-mm, "Not here, nope, sorry." No one wanted them. And not, and and not to mince words, but Gaza, the Palestinian territories, that whole it's an open air concentration camp. It's an open air concentration camp by Israel on those people. And you know who said that to me? A Jewish woman. She's been saying this to me 
for years and have many discussions about it. She goes, the concentration camp is an open-air concentration camp. They are doing to the Palestinians what Hitler did to them in World War II. It's an uncomfortable truth, but it needs to be said. It needs to be stated. And it's wrong. And I know there are Israelis that don't like that. They don't... And the, the, the woman, the, the female rabbi, is a smart woman. She knows this is going to come back to hurt Jewish people in the end. It's it always violence begets more violence. So I'm very concerned. It's, it's, it's heart-wrenching because the people there have no... They have no... There's no recourse for them. Food, water, everything else is being cut off. And I think I'm, I'm very concerned that this is going to hit. Um, it's going to hurt Democrats uh, pretty badly um, because people are already uh, I think, saying. I, I, can't I, think, bring I think you're correct. I think you're correct because nobody so for, nobody nobody to. nobody forms up a circular firing squad quite like us. Uh, again, uh, we go back to the sage, wise words of. Will Rogers declaring, I am not a member of an organized political party. I am a Democrat. And I wish it wasn't as true as it is. Uh, I wanna, well, again, I wanna... it's that establishment streak. I think of that old establishment streak. You know, so it's somewhat symbolic that Hillary Clinton was one of the classes they walked out of, which the students, I guess, there's been a lot of complaints at Columbia, by the administration there, the students, uh, there's been a tremendous disruption in the normal routine in classes and where kids can meet and stuff like that for, the, for their classes because uh, the red carpet is rolled out for her. Yeah, in fact, yeah. I've got I've got that story in the stack, and uh, one that the the administration did take time to listen to the concerns of the students i mean it but listening is not the same thing as sympathizing or empathizing you can listen right. and then walk out of the room and dismiss i, I mean you know uh, i remember the the late diane feinstein lecturing those uh, kids from uh, what was it the sunrise movement about uh, how wrong they yeah. were for talking you know coming and protesting in her office about uh, right. the devastation of the, oh, yeah. the climate. And I remember saying at the time, right. you know, she missed a great teachable moment by not looking at yep. them and instead of instead of upbraiding them, saying, Come on, kids, you know what? We're gonna you're gonna take a walk with Auntie Diane. We're gonna go to Mitch McConnell's office. But when yep. you but, but but when you're when you're that hidebound, when you're that entrenched in the received wisdom. I mean, it, it it becomes it becomes an orthodoxy, doesn't it? Yeah, and that's why you know Dean Phillips is useless. What the hell? Is, what is he? What is what is he all about? He's just echoing Biden's dance. There's no difference here. And, what and is we're play, he trying to do? Right, and we're playing language games, Darlene. You know, we don't we don't have the moral courage to say cease fire. And, you know, they're on my filthy morning habit, you know, 
poor poor Joe is going to fulminate into a different dimension uh, if this goes on much longer. And he's, you can't cease fire. That just gives Hamas a chance to rearm. And I'm sitting there, and it's, it's like, you know, my pal Tara Devlin of Terra Buster says, you know, we, I'll get, I'll get uh, text messages from her saying, you hearing this shit? Because we wake up every morning, she in Queens and me in West Virginia, and we hate watch Morning Joe. Because, you know, even in the midst of the Civil War in the United States, they would cease fire long enough to allow the other side to gather their dead and bury their dead. There's a famous scene in Henry V where a French emissary comes back to the English camp and Henry says, I know not whether we have won, whether the day is ours or thine. And he says, oh, it's yours, and we would appreciate it if you would stop slaughtering us for a little bit so that we can gather our dead and take them off the field of battle. Well, what happens when those are civilians? I mean, uh, uh, oh, you can't do a ceasefire. A ceasefire allows Hamas to rearm. Well, it also allows, it allows grieving people to pull their children Dust, their dead, dust-covered children out of the rubble and bury them before plague sets in. And so now you've got you've got the Biden administration playing these these semantic games with, well, it's not a ceasefire, but we think y'all should pause for some humanitarian aid to get through. That'd be mighty nice of you. But the fighting needs the, 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 the fighting needs to stop, and a negotiated solution uh, between uh, cool heads should prevail. Look, I'll say it. I'll say it. The head of Hamas and Bibi Netanyahu should be taken out back and have a bullet through, put through both of their fucking heads, and then say, "Is there anybody here who wants to negotiate in good faith?" You know, because it's always the ordinary people, the normal people, the decent people who pay with their lives for the policy decisions of the leadership. I mean, is, is, is everybody, is, is everybody in, in, in Gaza waking up every morning, uh, you know, in the Tchaikovsky in the background, oh, death to Israel. No, no. They're getting up and wondering if and when and how and what they're going to have for breakfast. And every Israeli is not waking up every morning with the Tchaikovsky playing. Oh, fuck Hamas. They have lives to live. Uh, Who was the famous English philosopher who said, people live their lives in quiet desperation? Was that Hobbes? Um, I can't remember. He may have been Scots. Anyway, but... It's so it, it it the 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 concerns of great men are not the concerns of people trying to get from today to tomorrow, and that was probably harsh right, for me. It's probably harsh for me to say that those no, two guys should be taken out and shot. But you know, some no. Well, who hasn't thought that at some point? No, and it's like you talk about. You know, I would go one step further and say that it's women and children that pay the price for the patriarchy, for the male, you know, first 
and love yes. for war. I mean, can we just um, say, so it, can, it, can, can two chicks just say this real quick? This is a dick measuring contest between two men who hate each other or between a bunch of men who hate each other. The single most misogynist regime in the world is said to be behind Hamas, Iran, uh, and, and I see the fingerprints of another massively misogynist regime in Vladimir Putin, Putin in pulling all the puppet strings. Awfully quiet he's been. And, you know, the idiocy of the ultramagus, you know, the GOP is dead. I don't even, I don't call them Republicans anymore. Um, it's, it's the ultramagus party, but they, you know, <laughs> they're in his pocket and they're so goddamn stupid. There was Med- Medvedev, Medvedev, who um, moonlighted as president was it president of, of Russia when um, when Vladimir had to take some time off. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He just was, he just he just threw, he just did a shot across Poland's bow recently, didn't he? He did. He said yeah. something along the lines yeah. of you're going to lose your you know, your sovereignty or whatever. Poland's next. If we don't get this right with Ukraine, there will be boots on the ground. Are these people that freaking stupid? What, you know, don't come at it. Are they that stupid? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, what, we, did, we had the, we had the clip. We had the clip early in the week, Darlene, uh, or late mm. last week, of the maggots cheering when Nitwit Nero mentioned World War Three, and they went, "Yay, World War Three!" They're stupid. They're such stupid people. Uh, it's it's, oh, it's it's a yeah. horror. It's a horror, and I think as long as this drags out and it not information, the loss of life, and the pictures of of Palestinian men just collapsed and crying in the street, women screaming, kids running into the hospitals, what's left. The more this happens, the, the, it's going to get, it, the worse it's going to get for Biden. Because, um, was it Matthew in San Diego? He, oh, Matt in San Francisco. Was it Matthew? Matt, yeah, Matt in San Francisco. Matt, Matt in San Francisco. Yes, uh, he's right. I, I think that the younger generation Younger generations are less tolerant to this. They see it for miles and miles. And yes, I think that um, it's. I think it's definitely going to hurt that um, that young person's vote uh, for Biden because you know all the hard work that you know Kamala Harris has done to galvanize um, the, the college student vote. That kind of thing. It's going to go right down the drain because the kids are going to see. Uh, and I mean that in a very affectionate, you know, I mean, kids, I mean, I'm 58, so to me, you know, the, the, I call them kids at Columbia, and that's a compliment. You know, they see, they're seeing this for miles and miles, and they, I, they're, they're not, to, they're not going to tolerate it. So, he's hurt himself with this, and I just hope, I hope he wakes the hell up. I hope that what that rabbi did, begging him, I hope it got through, or at least, you know, but the people hissing and booing her, they were disgusting. That was vile. 
that they that they turned on this woman. Yeah, it it, it absolutely it, is. It was gross. So, I've got a question for you. Thriving. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. I just want to see a thriving Israel. I want to see Israelis safe and happy and free of of war. I want to see the Palestinians have a state of their own where they can self-actualize. You know, quite honestly, our dollars should be going into into rebuilding and helping them. You know, that's what I want to see. There, the answers, yes, there are complexities, but the answers are simple. If people would just would, you know, get their heads out of their asses. But, um, especially Netanyahu, um, but anyway, um, well, I wanted to run something past you real quick because I, I had a question from our friend Nidia, who said, I would appreciate the group's thoughts about those who seem to think that Hamas are freedom fighters and even comparing them to the ANC in South Africa. I can't quite imagine Mon uh, Nelson Mandela promoting the brutal attacks on civilians. I, I, th I think that is, I think comparing... Uh, I mean, the the ANC did some things. Uh, the, the the ANC did some brutal things uh, in the time between Mandela's arrest and imprisonment and his re release. I mean, history is history. But that being said, uh, freedom fighters. I mean, I can't. Nobody like nobody likes nobody likes Hamas here. No. <laughs> No, no, it, it, Hamas, no, nobody likes Hamas here. No, nobody, and, and I mean, I'm not aware, I mean, you know, I don't know, Berkeley, NYU, uh, is probably some of that. Um, and there is certainly some absolutely unvarnished anti-Semitism out there. It, there's no getting around it. Oh, yeah. But the fact, yeah. But the fact of the matter is, if you want to talk about anti-Semitism... Uh, the worst examples of anti-Semitism aren't from Palestinian people or even Arabic people. Uh, Arabic people, Muslim people, and Jewish people live side by side all across America. And you know what? They're not at each other's throats. They're just not. They live, they let live. But the fact of the matter is, if you want anti-Semitism... Consider the church that I grew up in. Or consider Jerry Falwell saying, Well, of course the Jews are going to hell. They have not accepted Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Anti-Semitism is alive and well in the United States, and it is alive and well among white Christian people. Exactly. So the Jim Jordans and the, the Maga Mikes or Mula, whatever his name, Mike, there, that creepy guy. I mean, it wasn't a Palestinian there who shot up the Tree of Life clothing. synagogue, okay? And most of the and most right. of the anti-Semitic attacks that have taken taken place in the, uh, all over the United States have not been per perpetrated by Palestinians, by Arabs generally by Muslims, they have been perpetrated by white 
men who call themselves Christian. Yep. I mean, if I'm getting any part of this wrong, straighten me out, Darlene. Nope. No straightening out. So. And I, I, look, I, I think Hamas needs to be smashed to bits. But they're, killing they're, they're, innocent they're, right. Palestinians they're, 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 is not the answer. Yeah, right. It, and, it's, and, and, it's and, not. Their, and their own efforts to immiserate Palestinian people is not the answer. I mean, the, pal- the ordinary, uh, everyday, yeah. run, uh, run-of-the-mill, living-life Palestinian has been immiserated from both directions. Both by both by yep. uh, you know Israel's creation of this open air concentration camp, and now the atrocities being committed in places like uh, Jubilee, and by and, and 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 by Hamas, who by virtue of its uh, its its stated goals and objectives, make sure that Israel stays. I'm sorry, I mispronounced it. Israel stays perpetually paranoid. Israel, and, and this is not a slur. It's not a slur. Right. Israel mm-hmm. is a paranoid state, at least from the point, at least from the standpoint of its fundamentalist, extremist. Government. You know there are voices in the Knesset who will, will will speak out against this monstrosity, and because of the parliamentary nature of their government, however, and coalition building, you know we criticize our first past the post electoral system a lot and justifiably so. But what you wind up with in parliamentary systems is watered down government or extremist government that either runs roughshod or does nothing at all. And Itshak Rabin is still dead. At the I hand, was just going to say, and at, it, it at, probably at didn't hands, help. At the hands of an, of, of an extremist Israeli Jew. And before, I was just going to say, and it probably didn't help that the, you know, the assassination of Itshak Rabin. And, and that, which that one weird... That a lot. Yeah, it did. Uh, it it killed it killed the peace movement. It killed the two state solution movement. Yep. It, it it accomplished its goal. And I keep going back to that one American Orthodox Jew vis- visiting Israel before this uh, this uh, horror even began, who went on a rampage in an Israeli state museum and destroyed a couple of two thousand year old sculptures, screaming that it the screaming that it was an offense to the Torah. It's always the fundamentalism. Yeah. Isn't it? Yes. Yes. Um, because, you know, statistically, we've heard for many years that the vast majority of the Israeli people don't want what Netanyahu and the extremists no, they want to get up. They want to get up in the morning, have breakfast. They want to. They want to. They want to go. You know, they want to go to concerts and enjoy their beautiful country. 
you know, I mean, people who are Jewish in this country, I mean, to go to Israel, that's, that's a major pilgrimage for them. Sure. And I worked uh, in the Jewish it's, community it's, 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 for a number of years. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's Muslims making the pilgrimage to Mecca. It's Catholics going to Rome. Yeah. It's Baptists going to the liquor store. Yeah. Man, you talk to anyone who's been there, a Jewish person, person who's been to Israel, they're like, my God, it's the most beautiful country. It's so beautiful. So, I hate to see this happening. And uh, all the innocent innocent children and women and anyway I've, I've I've said enough I've dominated enough all the guys are quiet so I'm going to bow out and let them well, darling, it's lovely it's lovely to hear from you on the front porch I don't, and arguing. <laughs> I don't I don't feel quite I don't feel quite so lonesome I'm you uh, uh, well there you uh, go crazy pops in every now and then but you know most of the time I'm the only girl in the group yeah so I thought I would just try just I told I need to weigh in because I am very concerned about this from many different angles. Uh, and, um, you know, I don't want to see anyone getting killed, hurt, die. You know, and it's our, it's our tax dollars. We, we you know, yeah. our, our money is, you know, like, like the, the rabbi, uh, the female rabbi said, you know, we don't want, we don't want this in our name as Jewish Americans. We don't want this as Jews. We don't want this in our name. Right. And, well, and remember, we, remember the, uh, don't want this in our name. And remember what undergirded, what undergirded, uh, marginal trailer Queens dumbass motion to censure was a protest in DC that Rashida Tlaib spoke at that was organized by Jewish peace groups. Exactly. Okay. You know, and, you know, Rashida Tlaib is a mess. I mean, she's a mess. she gets so emotional and crying. I mean, this woman's got a heart of gold. Rashida Tlaib has a heart of gold. She is like somebody that just, she feels it so deeply. So I do not see her as being hostile to people who are Jewish. I don't, I just don't see that in her character. I don't see it. So Marjorie Taylor Greene is the vicious wolf in sheep's clothing. And I hate to insult both wolves Despicable, despicable. I don't know if you ran across she it, but there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, I saw a story earlier today before airtime that there are actually decent human beings in Georgia who are avidly watching the redistricting of Georgia in the fond and sincere hope that they won't be in her damn district anymore because they're tired of being well, judged. Yeah, they're yeah. tired of being judged yeah. for having her for their Congress creature. Well, yeah, she's like Jim Jordan, isn't she? Uh, isn't her district gerrymandered to hell and that's how she gets in? Oh, yeah. I thought she's one of them too. So, yeah. Yeah, her district looks so, like a malaria germ. <laughs> As opposed to a salamander. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, Darlene, you All have right. a, lo- oh, well, you have a lovely weekend, dear. Quiet, so, oh, 
Yes, thank you. I'll, I'll continue to listen in, and, um, you know, but I, I just need to unload this because this is I understand completely. distressing and, and disturbing. So, all righty. Take care. Bye. See ya. Bye. About damn time the men require. Yeah, well, I was just, I was about to pop in and say thank y'all. Uh, Can I just say something real quick about the Santos vote? Yes. Uh, could you turn your fan off? Oh, sorry. Did you see the, who, one of the people, one of the Democrats who voted no? Uh, was Rashida Tlaib? Yes. And I don't think that was, I don't think that was simple back scratching. Oh, no, but I think it was a, I think there was a deal because right after that, they didn't even let the marginal spork, Sporkfoot, whatever her name is, her motion, her resolution even come to the floor. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Marginal trailer queen got her ass tabled. Yeah, I think that was, but I think that was a horse trade. I don't think it was. I mean, there were too many. There were too many Democrats who voted no on it. I mean, it, it, look, uh, Jamie Raskin voted no. I wonder why. Oh, he said why. Oh, what did he say? He said, "I'm a constitutional lawyer." He said, "We have thrown five members out of this house over the history of the republic. Three of them we threw out for being traitors during the Civil War. Two of them got thrown out after they had been convicted of crimes." Uh, okay. And as much of a shitbird as George Santos is, he has not yet been convicted, and I'm a real due process kind of dude. And frankly, I think I it, I like it because it, at least from a purely Machiavellian perspective, the Republicans get to wear that until yes. next election. Yes, wear it. You know, you can make you, you, an albatross can be used as a scarf, Steve, and, 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 and scarves can be tied into all kinds of different shapes and forms. And the thing is, though, they're wearing it. And the New York delegate, the New York Republican de- congressional delegation, delegation is having a shit hemorrhage about having to run with him on the ballot. Oh, we tried to get rid of him. But and, and and the Democrats get to point to the albatross. I'm going to shut up the rest of the night, even though it's not that much. That I've been shutting up since uh, since <laughs> for a while. So I want to hear from Darlene. I like hearing from Darlene because she always has some. I, I can't tell you how many times she said something, and I've had my I found myself raising my finger and going, "Oh fuck yeah." I talk too much tonight. Yeah, uh, Darlene always brings her a game. Hello, everyone. Uh, is that you, Ben? Yeah, I finally was able to get in. My last couple of weeks, I haven't been able to get in. Sorry about that. I, I, I had I know nothing about that sort of thing. Uh, I, I just wanted to point out because I had a note from TJ. Uh, uh, Roger TJ is a, a, an automobile guy too. And he said, regarding Roger's search for a two-door regular cab pickup, it looks like the Dodge Ram Classic offers that. I didn't check to see how long the bed is, but I'm guessing it's at least six and a half feet long. 
I have a Toyota Tacoma regular cab, and it's got a six-foot bed, whereas a lot of these bigger pickups only have a five-foot or even a four-foot bed. Yeah, those little square boxes. And then added Ford offers a regular cab, too. So the research department is jumping to your aid, Roger. I, I guess I'm just stuck in the regular program where I just do stuff in the chat. I posted a thank you. Uh, I, I will definitely look into it uh, because a, a 2002 pickup with 225,000 miles on it is something I've been wanting to replace for a little while. And uh, I just haven't been able to find it. But I'll, I'll look at the Dodge and I'll, I'll check forward. Uh, I wouldn't mind going electric, but again, they're all four-door numbers tonight. Don't need I wanted it. To, I mean, I could deal with a king cab, although I'd like a, a yeah. regular cab. But anyhow, I think the Chevy Colorado comes in a two-door variety with, it, with like, a, you know, an extended cab, you know, little jump seats. Yeah, well, those jump seats, my jump seats are in absolute pristine condition. Yeah, Roger, if you're going to go forward... My only recommendation is you don't get one of the newer ones that have the all-aluminum bodies. Okay. Uh, yeah, those those aluminum beds on the newer Ford pickup trucks are a pain in the ass. They're, yeah, you can easily puncture them really easy. Well, I'm just a 78-year-old man that's been driving a pickup ever since I started buying cars back in 1972, I think it was. Um and uh, I just need a little truck. I, it, you know, it, my lifestyle, yes, I live in town, blah, blah, blah. But I also do country stuff. Like the other day I went out and there's a place that tore out a uh, hazelnut orchard. And I'm doing some wood turning stuff for pounding sauerkraut into jars and all that. And there was a pile there. And I went and asked if I could cut out limbs that, you know, I could turn on my lathe. And they said, yeah, go for it. So... Off oh, Roger! If you could chain. get if you could get some bigger pieces, and just let it sit and cure, that's great smoking wood, hazelnut. Well, I've got access to a ton of it, and now I'm making all kinds of little chips. But anyhow, um, and, you know, I do pickup kind of stuff, pickup truck kind of stuff. Uh, when the kid needed a new patio, all of a sudden my pickup got used to haul the the two by fours and the four by fours and throw the trailer to, for some of it. And, uh, I, I do pickup stuff and, and I want to pick up and if we want to take the grandkids anywhere, we'll use the, use the wife's van. You know, I, I don't need passengers and the rest of that shit. Well, exactly. Anyhow. And, and, you know, uh, I lost my pickup truck and it was no fault of any, it, well, it was the fault of the pillhead who hit a net. You know, rear-ended her. I lost my pickup truck on December the 31st, 2011. And it may sound crazy, but if you live in a rural area and you lose your pickup truck, shit changes. I mean, it, it, a lot of things in, in, in rural America, um, your ability to do certain things is profoundly circumscribed by the absence of a pickup truck. So I, I no, I get it, Roger. I get it. Oh boy, do I get it. And I'd like to apologize for somewhat for jumping in and out tonight, but 
my two loaves of sourdough are now out of the oven. So, uh, oh, I've, I've been babysitting Roger, food porn. Yes. Oh, mm, hurt me. And I'm teaching a part co-teaching a class tomorrow on fermentation and pickling. Uh, and we're going to be making sauerkraut and, and uh, doing pickled spiced pickled pears. Oh, yummy. Uh, Oh, Kevin reacted. Okay, Kevin at the very beginning was talking about a a uh, party that he's going to go to, and I posted a recipe to him you know, on sauerkraut balls, and basically they're uh, a, a meatball with sauerkraut in it and sour cream, and rolled in cornmeal and then deep fat fried, oh, and I've had they're, those they're are so heavenly. tasty. And when I make them, when we just do a Saturday class or a Wednesday class or something like that, I usually make them for the class, for our fermentation classes. But I'm too busy doing other shit, so I didn't make them. But when he talked about his his party, uh, they always go over really great. Oh, those would be uh, heavenly. And I'm still being AWOL in the regular chat on a frequent basis because I'm back <laughs> to trimming. And... Uh, then also I've been AWOL in the chat because the uh, Master Food Preservers here, we always have a big jam and jelly sale in December for people for Christmas presents. And once a week we've gotten together, usually on a Thursday, and in 10 to 2, so four hours, we turn out about 100 half-pint jars of various jellies and jams. And I've been the uh, master water bath tender in uh, water bathing with jams and jellies. So things might calm down in the not-too-distant future, and I can get back to my usual duties. But in the meantime, I'm uh, well, we're occupied with a bunch of other shit. Yeah, we're happy to know that you're using your time wisely. And you mentioned those sauerkraut oh, yeah. balls. I've had those. They're so good. My other favorite thing to do with sauerkraut is sauerkraut pierogies. Um, Kevin, if you, if you ever want to channel your inner... Uh, your inner yinzer. Make, yeah. Make homemade make homemade homemade pierogies and stuff them with sauerkraut and oh god. Oh boy. Yeah. And once you know once you boil them and they're done and everything you take them out you cool them you drain them and uh, just brown them uh, just brown them in butter and people will lose their tiny minds. <laughs> and then then on a really good vein. <clears throat> Uh, an acquaintance uh, came up to me and, and made me a gift because I've done some nice things and I didn't really expect it. But I am now the proud owner of a manufactured on Jan in January of 1947. Oh, wow. An all-American pressure canner. Oh. And if anybody's into canning, there's Miro and there's Presto. <clears throat> and those are kind of the Ford Dodge Chevy class of <clears throat> canners. And then How there's cool. the All-American, which is Cadillac. <clears throat> and uh, I, I, there's going to be a lot of elbow grease with mother's polish on it to shine it back yeah. up and that. But uh, Can, you still, can you still get the gasket and everything for it? There is no gasket on an All-American. It's metal to metal. Oh, wow. With, with the little screw-down knobs all the way around. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it's one of those. I think and, that's and the, the uh, aluminum. Uh, made back in those days was a lot heavier and thicker, and, and they're just, they are the Cadillac. The new ones are good. I'm not knocking the new ones, but the antiques 
are fantastic. I think it was one. I think it was one of those in the uh, in the, the the book version, not the movie, but in the book version of Forrest Gump by Winston Groom. Uh, it is one of those with the screw down lids that Forrest Gump blows up during basic training in the army, and the uh, uh, the drill sergeant walks out, you know, covered in uh, stew, and the only thing he's capable of saying is, "Gump." Boiler, stew, gump, <laughs> boiler, stew, and uh, Roger, you know, with all of your fermentation and your sourdough bacon and stuff, I don't know if we've ever gone over this, but have you ever made salt rising bread? No, I'm aware of it, but I've not made it. Uh, I'm not really a baker, um, and I'm still fighting on how, trying to get a decent sourdough to puff up to where your slices look good. All the rest of that, I, I just don't seem to have the knack, but I keep trying. It tastes good. It just doesn't. If you can find it, if right you can fi- if you can find it online, the best sourdough starter, and, and it's almost counterintuitive, but the best sourdough starter I've ever used is the sourdough starter that uh, the, out of uh, one of Jeff Smith's. I think it was the, the Frugal Gourmet Cooks All American Cuisine or something. And the sourdough starter for that is foolproof, and it, uh, it, it I, I've, I've, it's my go-to when I do it. Well, the, the chemistry of sourdough starter, no matter what sourdough starter you get and wherever you get it from, the first couple of times you use it, it'll remain true to whatever it is you got. But as you use it, Everybody's sourdough starter takes on its own unique character. character and flavor because the yeasts in my house here in Oregon are very different from the yeasts in your house sure. in West Virginia. And as you use your flour, it depends on where you get your flour from, the chemical composition of your water, and the yeasts in the air. And so everybody's sourdough starter will become unique to the environment in which you are working. Yes. And that's and, the and reason this... the San Francisco sourdough has its own unique flavor, is that the wild yeast in the air of San Francisco remains somewhat consistent uh, because of the ocean breezes and all that. So the different bakeries in San Francisco are tending toward the same sourdough because of the wild yeast in San Francisco. Oh, God, some real San Francisco sourdough. Be still my heart. Well, this sourdough starter recipe is basically water, flour, uh, cultured whole milk, buttermilk, um, a little bit of sugar, just a little bit of salt, and uh, cornmeal that has been ground with the germ intact. Because the germ is where the is is where the uh, yeast is hiding. And it works really well. Uh, I, need, I need I need to send out thanks to Jeremy. Jeremy, thanks for jumping in. I appreciate you, my friend. Uh, you got us down to 980 to go, so that's very helpful, and I do appreciate it. I got to clear out though. Uh, the uh, back porch will continue in my absence after I close the broadcast and start the upload process. I'm going to do the upload, and then I think I'm going to sleep for 12 hours. Uh, it's been a long, uh, long couple of three days, and thanks for y'all's forbearance. 
uh, as I was gone for the uh, arrival of a very, very sweet little girl. And uh, just thank you. Thank you all. And thank you for all the kind wishes and kind words. So that's, uh, that's, that's a broadcast week minus two days. Back on Monday, and I'm sure we'll be up to our armpits and more hands. It's almost guaranteed. Thank you to our PayPal and Patreon subscribers. Thank you so much. Thanks to our a la carte contributors. Thanks to uh, uh, our three friends who provide the matching funds for Bruce and Karen's Memorial Challenge. Thanks to everybody for jumping in and making sure that got fulfilled. Thanks to each and every one of you who share your precious finite time engaging in the program, no matter how you do so. Thanks to all volunteer staff. Roger, you're a very busy man. Thank you very much for taking time to be here and moderate and run the call and so forth. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks to our news ninjas. Thank you, Brother Deacon Asa. Head on dot live exists because of Brother Deacon Asa. And I do so appreciate you, my friend. And thank you. And, and uh, please like and subscribe to the podcast. We're actually growing the program a little bit. Seeing a few more downloads here and there, and that's because you're liking and subscribing and leaving comments for the Lonely Hearts algorithm uh, algorithms out there on the podcast platforms. Thank you, John Fox in Australia. Thank you, Ben Birch, WhiteRoseSociety.org. Thanks to the hardest working, bravest people I know, the folks at Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. 20-plus years at the forefront of the struggle for environmental justice and human rights in Appalachia at a proud union shop. Please stay safe. Get your booster. Get your get your flu shot. Get your RSV vaccine. Wear your mask when you're around groups of more than five, especially if they've got any maggots in them, because those people probably aren't vaccinated. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Use your hand sanitizer. Carry it with you, pocket or purse. Maintain your social distance as best you can. And good Lord, uh, if, 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 a, if a spork-footed creature from the Derp Lagoon comes towards you, Rashida Tlaib, I'm sorry, she mispronounces it, Rashida Tlaib started an insurrection. Well, avoid her like the plague, because she is. And always, 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 Gina, it's all for you. Love you, Wayne. Have a great weekend, everybody. Later.